is Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily with Andrew Hustler Patterson and Michael Remus. Hey, what's up, everyone? It is time to get her going with a game day edition of Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily. Detroit Red Wings in town after a rare win last night against the Boston Bruins. Taking on the uh, rested Winnipeg Jets, who have had a uh, few days to get back to the practice ice, assess their situation, and get ready for one last kick at it beginning tonight. A 6.30 game against the Detroit Red Wings. Really looking forward to having Murata Tesh join us. I mean, obviously, we'll be speaking a little bit about the game tonight and how things look, but Murat's got a great piece like us here. I mean, many of us are already looking ahead to the offseason and what is next for the Winnipeg Jets. Um, check out today's Athletic. So much feedback to Murat from the mailbag that he was cutting it into two. But we'll talk to him uh, about a number of the top Jet topics, including Nikolai Ehlers usage um, and the goal of getting the most out of Ehlers next season and what needs to happen to uh, make that a reality. Um, again, we'll, we'll hit tonight's game. Connor Hellebuck, bobblehead night. I know Remus has some great bobblehead stats coming up when we uh, bring him into the program. We'll also talk some hockey, maybe a little Masters, and a look ahead to baseball season with uh, I'm my pal Chris Meany from FTN Bets. And you can also see him on the Fantasy Sports Network hosting Mean Streets daily in the afternoon. And uh, very excited for this. It is not 100% locked in right now because of the weather at Augusta National. But our good friend, Canada's national golf coach, Derek Ingram, who is also the coach of Corey Connors, was out there on the uh, driving range, practice range yesterday, working with Corey, 12 feet away from Tiger Woods, drawing a big crowd. We'll talk to him about Corey's preparation, the scene at Augusta, and tee off tomorrow in the Masters Tournament. And before the end of the program, we'll tee up the Frozen Four as well. Mike Snee from College Hockey Inc. has come on the program quite a few times before when he's been around in Winnipeg. Um, he's going to talk to us a little bit about all the top drafted, the drafted NHL players, a few of the free agents, and a little more about the Frozen Four. We'll do that towards the end of the program, closer to 3 p.m. So, uh, Meany, Marat, Mike Snee, and a hopeful visit live from Augusta with Derek Ingram. Going to be a packed show. Great to have you with us. Uh, of course, this show doesn't happen without the great support of our sponsors, including Wallace and Wallace, our newest sponsor, along with F Apparel, Vita Health, Culling Water, Manitoba Battery, Royal Sports, Breezy Bend Country Club, Not Auto Corp, Little Brown Jug, Princess Auto, Boston Pizza, the Nick and Nicky DQ Group, Cool Bet Canada, Canadian Club, and our friends out at Aikens Lake Wilderness Lodge. We're getting ready for a uh, an amazing summer after, um, well, a lot of problems the last two years with international travel when it comes to it. But let's get right down to it. Michael Remus joins me now. Chris Meany coming up in a few minutes. Remo, how are you doing today? I'm in a good mood. Uh, there's a Jets game, bobblehead night, uh, the Masters, uh, Frozen Four coming up, big sports weekend, of course, uh, MLB opening day. So I just had to, what, uh, did a couple fantasy drafts. Uh, I'm all I'm all studied up now on MLB. I'm ready to go, but we're here to talk Jets and talk bobbleheads. And yes, I do have the Jets stats and in bobblehead games. And but to be fair, you look at the Jets matchup tonight against the Detroit Red Wings. I mean, heavy favorites uh, according to the models, Money Puck. However, you know, on the whole, Money Puck has the Jets point 
7% chance to make the playoff. So going to have to run the table here if you want to want to get it. Yeah, well, Connor Hellebuck said, I mean, the only way they can do that is to go 12 for 12. And um, he will be in the net tonight, of course, because it will be the Connor Hellebuck fishing bobblehead uh, giveaway. Now, I'll say this about Connor. Um, I think, you know, he's still had a fine season. I mean, I think that, you know, the problems of the Winnipeg Jets are, uh, well, let's just say goaltending this year has been near the bottom of it. Um, but his performances in the bobblehead commercials at the Jets games, as well as online and on their Twitter feed were, uh, were great. He kind of leaned into this one more than any of the other players. I remember being uh, celebrated as Jets heroes with the iconic bobblehead giveaway ream. And, uh, I have no doubt that um, Connor Hellebuck is going to go out and try and celebrate his bobblehead night with a big, big victory. And who knows? It is the fishing bobblehead. Maybe we'll get the fishing first star celebration if Helly can stand tall today. Yeah, I mean, he he's one of the best guys when he's called out for the three stars and, and he's been a rock uh, back there. I mean, his goals against numbers, um, not where you'd like them to be. However, you look at some of the advanced metrics um Connor Hellbuck goals above expected I mean he's among top goalies in the league and I think that just speaks to the number of high danger chances the Jets continue to give up in the slot I know we're having Murad on he did ask Brendan Dillon point blank today him and Mark Shafley why do you guys give up so many uh slot shots um they couldn't really come up with a good answer but I think that's something the Jets are gonna have to look at in terms of uh you know their team defense going in the offseason. We all we all know that, but uh, Connor Hellbuck, former Vesna winner, nice to see him honored uh, tonight with his own bobblehead against uh, his what, hometown team, the Detroit Red Wings. Yeah, no, it'll be a, a cool night. And, uh, you know, hey, if you're thinking about getting out to a game before the end of the season, I would suggest that uh, the, um, the carrot of the uh, Connor Hellbuck bobblehead night might hopefully get a few more fans in the building tonight. Uh, otherwise playing against one of the worst teams in the league on a Wednesday after a couple very disappointing losses, which all but ended the Jets' realistic hope to uh, make some sort of run here at the end of the season and get into the playoffs. Certainly not helping the gate, but uh, good timing, I guess, by the people planning this giveaway. So we'll see it. Now, Remo, get the list out, because we were talking about this earlier on. There is an interesting history of Winnipeg Jets when it comes to bobblehead mm -hmm. games. Um some I mean, at the beginning, it seemed like it was a little bit of a curse. And maybe this goes back to Pav. Um, but, you know, some players haven't played in their bobblehead games. And, you know, the overall record's not bad. But when the guy plays in his bobblehead game, not quite as good as the overall record because of players that have been missing when their bobbles were given out. Yeah, so there's a couple. So Wheeler was scratched because it was like the last game of the year and they rested him. It's the, one of the few games he's missed, uh, you know, prior to this season. Uh, Truba was injured and Little was injured as well. He fractured a vertebrae following a hit from Strawman and Truba had a concussion after colliding with Jamie Benn. So when the Jets bobblehead featured players in their game, team's record, one and four. But overall, they're they're four and four, and of course, they didn't have bobbleheads in in twenty twenty, uh, you know, canceled, and there were no fans in twenty twenty one, so they didn't didn't do anything. But this year, it's back, it's Hellbuck, and yes, uh, just for the players who played in Lad twenty twelve zero points minus three Jets lost three two Pavlik five goals against seven nine two save percentage one smash stick 
They lost 6-4. He got Rob, yanked in that game, did he? Or, or did he not? Was um, that an empty netter? I guess if he let in five and it was 6-4, he probably didn't get it. Uh, yeah, I'm, I don't recall. I don't have that in my notes. Bufflin, zero points in 2014, minus two. They lost 3-2. Trey Flea was the only one. Uh, he had the OT winner in a 4-3 win. And Nikolai Ehlers was a minus four. A guy who traditionally, you know, is known for being on the right side of uh, goals for a five-on-five. And they lost five four in that game, and he had zero. Points. So uh, it's I don't know some I don't know what it is. These guys can't handle the pressure of bobblehead night us. It's I mean a lot of responsibility comes when it's your bobblehead. You ought to have a good performance. I'm expecting a good performance from Hellebuck tonight. You know the I said heavy favorites us. The Jets minus two seventy eight favorites on cool bet. Money well, and I saw Bad Mood Blake in the uh, in the go. How the hell are the Jets heavy favorites against anybody right now? And I guess it is a valid question, but a big part of that is Detroit is one of the worst teams in the league. They're seven games below five hundred, um, and that's just wins and regulation losses. Never mind the OT losses, um, where the Jets are plus six. Um, but the other thing is that the Detroit Red Wings had to play last night and then travel all the way to Winnipeg, getting in late. Although, Remo, they had a big, big win against the Boston Bruins, down 2 nothing early, rattling off four straight. Patrice Bergeron tried it in the third period, and Sam Gagne, the hero, uh, icing it at the end with an empty netter. And the Wings get a, uh, a rare victory lately. I believe they lost 13 of 15 going into last night. Um, you know, more rebuilding for Stevie Wise team, but... Uh, you know, the travel, the back-to-backs, all those things we hear all the time that certainly are taken into account when it comes to odds. But maybe they're not taking into account how flat the Jets have been coming out in games and how they played in some of these midweek games against some of the lesser lights in the NHL that in a lot of ways have conspired to help put them where they are right now on the wrong side of the playoff line. Yeah, one thing to note also, it's a bit of an earlier start tonight, 6.30 start. <laughs> I think that plays into the Red Wings' favor, Hust. That's more of like an Eastern time zone start. So we'll see how it affects, the, affects the Jets. Um, you know, we'll it's see. a good what... point. The Red Wings, I think, traditionally do play their games at 7.30. Yeah. So, so this is the 6.30 game right here. What? The, I don't no, know. No adjustment for the Red Wings here. They're basically still in the East time zone. Uh, one thing, you know, I did bring this up earlier. I mean, you talk about... The opponent on a back-to-back. I mean, Vegas came in here in the second game of a back-to-back a couple of weeks ago, and I thought they took it to the Jets and Connor Hell stood on his head. Yeah, so uh, I mean, maybe Bad Mood Blake has a point. The Jets shouldn't be favored by my minus two seventy-eight against anybody, but I think that just speaks to how disappointing the season is and where we thought the team would be when they can still be that big, uh, big favorites. You know, the talent is there; they can score. Goals on. We've seen them put up, you know, touchdowns on multiple occasions this year. But and again, they've had a couple days off. This should be a win. We will see. We've said that before. We'll see if they can get it done and let's see if they can come up with some of that. I know they're basically out of the playoffs, but let's see if we can see some of that urgency that we just haven't seen from them in the opening periods. In you know, well, you know what? The last couple uh, games. Uh, listen for this next dozen games. <clears throat> Uh, we're going to see, or I certainly what I think we hope to see is, you know, these players playing with pride. I mean, I know there's people out there that want them to tank and listen, I mean, they just did try to do that in the line, a draft year when they sat all, you know, a bunch of key players at the end of the season for whatever injuries and basically shut them down. And the jets went out and won, I think their final five or six games 
and everyone was freaking out and they still ended up getting that spot. But for right now, I mean, the difference from where they're going to be if they go six and six to eight and four to four and eight, I mean, I don't know if it's going to make that much of a difference and maybe one spot either way. But to me, you know, watching these games, Reem, and, you know, starting tonight with the opening uh, drop of the puck, I want to see who is playing, you know, you know, committed to doing what this team needs to do to take that step forward and become the team that everyone thought that they'd be able to be this season. Um, and I think we'll find out a lot about some players. I mean, may maybe some people would say we found out a lot about some of these players throughout the season, and that's valid. Um, but I think you learn a lot about people when they're in a situation where the ultimate goal is not achievable and they're sort of playing for pride. And, um, you know, it's a good opportunity for some younger players to go in and show what they can do. I'm looking forward to seeing Marin, um, uh, Baron in the lineup tonight. He's going to be playing with Tononato and Svechnikov. Although, Hanola stands, plug your ears right now. You're not going to want to hear this, but... Um, with 12 games left in the season and the Jets in the predicament they are in, Billy Hanel is back in the press box tonight. Logan Stanley's in. I'm sure that will spark plenty of debates on uh, on social media. I said yesterday I'd like to see Billy play as much as possible over the course of these past few games. I think that's the benefit that they can get out of these games, having some of these younger players go. Um and the thing is that despite the fact that it's a 0.7 or whatever that number is, essentially a 1% chance of making the playoffs, which is all but done, um, you know, because of the way the numbers work and won't mathematically happen for a little while. So if that's the case, I mean, I guess, you know, and we've talked a lot about Dave Lowry's predicament right now, wanting to go and get wins, wanting to show that he can be the guy going forward. Uh, I mean, I'm not sure, to be honest, where we're, um, <clears throat> what we're going to get out of, the team, but also what's to be gained about playing, you know, a veteran-laden lineup against, um, frankly, teams like Detroit in a game like this tonight. So, um, you know, it's just an unfortunate state of affairs right now for the team coming off that disappointing loss Saturday. And, you know, you see what Dallas has done over the course, Remo, of the last few weeks. I mean, we always talked about these games at hand, but you got to win them. Well, guess what? The Dallas Stars have been winning them. They're 7-3 and three in their last 10 they're now 14 games above 500. They're only one point back of the Nashville Predators. And uh, it's really incredible, to be honest, to see the differential, like the massive gap between those top three, top five teams in the Central, two of which will be wildcard teams, and the Winnipeg Jets, who find themselves seven points back of Dallas. And Dallas has a game in hand going into tonight. Yeah, Dallas just keeps winning these, these close games, these overtime games. You know, they're trailing heading into the third, and next thing you know, they're suddenly they've tied it, and then they've got a lead. So I wasn't a huge Dallas guy coming in. We declared mm -hmm. them off-season champs a, a couple years ago. They had that Cinderella run to the cup final, if you can believe it, and here they are now in the second wildcard spot. Vegas, uh, we'll just go over the going over the Jets' lines quickly. You mentioned Hanela and Nodin. We do have Stasny, Shafley, Ehlers. Connors back with Dubois and Wheeler. Sanford. Lowry, Appleton, line three, and you said Morgan Barron, Dominic Toninato, Kenny Svechnikov on the fourth line. Defense, Morsi, DeMello, Dylan Pionk, Stanley Schmidt. And, hmm. I mean, I don't know what they're going to do with the defense. I think Billy Hanel has earned a look. He's earned a chance to play, whether it's being with the Moose or the Jets. And I'd prefer if he, you know, you'd probably want him to see him in the lineup somewhere the last couple of games and not being... Um, a healthy scratch. So I don't know how they're going to approach this, but I agree there's something certainly to watch 
here as the season winds down and uh, they play out the string. You know, and uh, and listen, I mean, you can take it for what it's worth. Who's the number one line? Who's the number two line? Um, but Kyle Connor's back. That's nice after missing mm-hmm. him for the three games. As is Nate Schmidt, and that is what you know apparently is you know moved Billy Hainla back to the uh, back to the press box. Um, but Connor Dubois and Wheeler and Wheeler we've talked about this has looked great playing with those guys since being split up with Mark Shifley. Um, and the Ehlers Shifley combination, like we talked about last week with Marat, and maybe we'll get an update from him on this going into tonight's game, is that um, you know, at times it's actually looked pretty good, and at other times it hasn't. And you know, Dave Lowry, you know, in the last week has put Nikolai Ehlers back down with Adam Lowry and Mason Appleton at times. So I I don't know. I mean, I, I mean, I'm gonna ask Marat about this, and he wrote about it in the athletic. I really do think that of the of the to-do list for next year, and assuming that involves a new coaching staff and uh, and some new personnel in and around the club. I mean, Nikolai Ehlers is, you know, a cornerstone, in my opinion, going forward. And if you're going to have Connor and Dubois playing together, either there's two options. Either Ehlers is on that line, and that's your clear-cut number one line that plays a ton and, um, you know, can hopefully you know, bring you bring with it the wins that, you know, you need to be a playoff team and compete for a Stanley Cup. Or whether it is Mark Shifley or somebody else, depending on what happens offseason with uh, potential moves, someone coming in, playing with and getting the most out of Nikolai Ehlers and a coach that feels confident to put them out with the sort of ice time that, you know, he's done with the Shifley combination over the last number of years. And um, you know, again, uh, you know, and again, we'll get Marat to sort of explain it when he joins us a little later on. Um, you know, it's uh, you know, it's interesting. You know, Hockey Viz did the video of uh, or a video, a graph of you know, sort of ice time, and you know, there's a big, big, significant gap between Ehlers and a number of players that have not been close to as productive as he has been uh, when he's been out there, and has better results defensively too than some of those too. So. Um, when I think of this team going forward, what needs to change? Number one is it needs to have a guy behind the bench that understands the value that Ehlers brings and gets the most out of him and plays him accordingly. And I would include the power play in that as well. Um, you know, again, I, I don't know what you thought, Remo, about the power play on the weekend with Kyle Connor out and Nikolai Ehlers in. I mean, it certainly didn't did look a little different, and it's not like they were three for six or anything like that. Far from it. But it looks significantly different. Ehlers both getting the zone, carrying the play, uh, carrying the puck, and shooting the puck, which has been an issue for the Winnipeg Jets, I thought certainly provided a different look. And when you got a player that talented, it doesn't make any sense to have him getting 10% of power play time as opposed to the other group getting 80 or 90. Yeah, and I thought you know the other group, even without Ehlers, looked pretty strong, but they you know don't seem to see the ice. You know, I think the issue with the, you know, you look at the Jets' power play, they did go 0 for 6. A lot of it is just passing around the perimeter looking for that perfect shot and, um, you know, continuing to look for it. I mean, you have a, a lot of possession. It looks good. But in terms of putting the puck on net, you know, it doesn't, doesn't really work. I mean, you look at the goal, he only gets a shot, and Lowry's in front, bangs it in. It seems pretty simple. Uh, but I did like Ehlers in that spot uh, that Kyle Connors normally had. He's got this quick, quick release, and you've seen it on his last couple goals. He can beat goalies clean um you know you can shoot in stride bit deceptive i like it but i don't think you're taking away kyle connor so where are you gonna put where are you gonna put ehlers uh on the power play put him on the d on on the d there 
up top. I, I'm I'm not sure how he would fit in. Uh, you know, he's left shot. Connor's a left shot, so I I like Connor there. I mean, he's closing in on 50 goals, and that's going to be the thing that you know, keeps. The funny him thing mo- is, motivated. most of his goals are five on five. Like it's I, not like I, yeah. Kyle Connor's having this 41 goal season on the back of mm-hmm. you know scoring half of them. You know, on the power play, far from it. Um, yes. and, well, you know, special teams. I mean, well, listen. Unfortunately, we're going to have plenty of time to talk about the special teams and do a full autopsy of so many of the players and everything happening this season with the Winnipeg Jets. Time isn't now, though. We'll look forward to this game tonight. Um, if you don't have your tickets already, it might be a great night to get out. I um, think the Jets should have a good chance of winning the game, sending people home happy, and you will get the Connor Hellebuck fishing bobblehead, which I'm looking forward to getting my hands on tonight. All right, coming up in just a minute. Our guy Chris Meany's joining us. Really looking forward to this. Lots to get to with Meany with baseball season coming up uh, beginning tomorrow. The Masters teeing off and uh, a lot of hockey. Uh, just before we do that, I do want to thank our newest sponsor of Winnipeg Sports Talk, Wallace & Wallace, Winnipeg's fencing and overhead door specialist. Hey, you've seen their fences and trucks all over the city for decades. They've been serving residential and commercial customers since 1946. If your po- if your property or business needs the security and protection of a new fence, or if winter has done a number on your old one, give them a call. They literally do it all. Vinyl, ornamental, welded wire, chain link, or wood. They've got the right fence for you. <clears throat> and if it's time to replace your garage door, Wallace & Wallace is the place to be. They've got the best, Winnipeg's largest and best selection of overhead garage doors. 204-452-2700 is the number. Ben, Charles, Mark, and the rest of the experts at Wallace will arrange a time to come out and give you a free estimate. You can also visit them at wallacefences.com or pop down to their showroom on Lawson Road off Keniston. And, uh, you know, I got a uh, call from the doctor today. Got to, you know, it, crank up some vitamins, some other things. And I said, well, I'm glad you told me this because uh, only one place I need to go for that. And that, of course, is our friends over at Vita Health Fresh Market. Stock with Winnipeg's best selection of local, organic, and natural groceries, supplements, and beauty products, all at incredible prices with a knowledgeable staff trained on these products to help you get what makes sense for you. And if you're into organic produce, local grass-fed meats, a great grab-and-go deli with Vita Market salads and sandwiches. This is the store for you. Locally owned since 1936, now with seven Winnipeg locations, including the newest store in Linden Ridge. Also, shop online at myvita.ca with their fully revamped website. Thanks again to Vita Health Fresh Market for joining us as well. And hey, um, I might be putting a suit on a couple of days. We've got that Winnipeg Nightlife Awards, which were uh, nominated for the top radio station slash podcast. By the way, if you can, go to WNLA.ca. Give your boys at Winnipeg Sports Talk a vote. Of course, F Apparel is the uh, locally owned leader in custom suits for men and men's clothing. Full line, including dress shirts, golf pants, untucked dress shirts, shoes, ties, accessories, and more. The bottom line is every guy needs at least one suit that fits and looks great. And F's custom-made suits start at just 400 bucks. Great option for high school seniors that are graduating. If you have one in the family, pop down with their valid ID, give you a free shirt and tie along with the suits. You can get them all done up at 400 bucks. And for wedding parties, 15% off when the entire wedding party buys from F Apparel. Find out more, fephapparel.com, or check them out online, or check them out in person, I should say, down at 190 Smith Street. All right, 
Let's get to it. I've been looking forward to having this gentleman on the program. Had a couple of great chats with him on his show, Mean Streets, which you can see on the Game Plus Network and, of course, on YouTube as well. It is the mean one himself, Chris Meany, joining us as we uh, have lots to talk about. Meany, what's up, man? It's great to have you on the program. Yeah, what's up, Hustler? Yeah, always happy to be here, dude. It's it's nice to chat with you every time uh, you are crushing it uh, as per usual. And yeah, man, it's it's a busy week, right? It's Masters week, Major League Baseball tomorrow. I mean, hockey, right? We're in the, the final stretch run of teams trying to make a playoff push as well. And yeah, I mean, it's just an exciting time to be a sports fan. Well, no, it definitely is. Hey, uh, I wasn't planning on getting too much into it, but just quickly, uh, thoughts on the Masters, Tiger playing, everyone fired up about that. Um, and uh, I know you I mean you do some great work in hockey, baseball. I mean, that's sort of the daily stuff that you're doing. But uh, how much uh, time have you spent uh, thinking about Augusta and uh, tee off tomorrow? Yeah, you know, a little bit. All right. It, you know, it's always exciting. Had a couple great guests on Mean Streets. Uh, thanks for the plug over at Game Plus. Yeah, we've uh, we've talked Masters really all week. It's it's extremely exciting, honestly, to have Tiger here. Whether you know you're a Tiger fan or not, it's I think the sport is is much better when he is playing, especially you know at the Masters, right? Looking for another green jacket, one away from Jack. Um, you know, there's been there's been a lot of talk. Uh, people coming on the show saying no chance, you know, this guy wins, and I think he said that a couple of years ago. A lot of people, myself included, no chance that he could win the Masters, and he came out of nowhere and won it a couple of years ago. It's going to be really tough for him. I think he does make the cut, Hustler. I mean, he knows this course better than anybody. I do believe him when he says his ball striking is there. It's, I think what eventually hurts him will be maybe into day three. It's a hilly course. It's really tough. We're not talking about a guy that's just coming back from knee surgery, uh, which he has done uh, well in the past. We're talking about a guy who had his whole leg restructured here like it was a significant injury so it's a hilly course i think that could catch up to him you know he again he knows the course better than anybody i do believe that the ball striking is good his, his short game is i think the best in the world so i i'm not picking him to win I, I i would love to see him you know compete i'd like to see the tiger red on sunday for sure uh a couple guys that i do like you know, I like Brooks. Brooks Kepka at 20 to 1. I think his game is is right on par. He's healthy right now. Runner up in 2019, a couple top 20s. Uh, Cam Smith is another guy. Sam Burns is a, a bit of a long shot there. And you know, I like Will Zalatoris. I, I know he's pretty raw and he was a runner up in 2021. He leads the tour in strokes gain, T to green. Looks like it's gonna be really windy there this week. So I think that benefits him. His putter is not the best, but I think it's improving. I think if he can lag a couple of putts, maybe make a couple, I think he'll be hanging around on the weekend as well. Yeah, you know what? I mean, I got a 40 to 1 tab on Zalatoris. I just thought there was nice. great value for a guy that is so good, you know, especially with the approach shots that are so important at Augusta. Um, right. And listen, he went there as a rookie and finished one shot off right. winning the damn tournament. So. Um, he's right there. And I'll tell you what, I was doing a show with the Coolback guys earlier today, and I've been. I swear to God, I probably must have checked the site 50 times yesterday, just <laughs> looking at where the lines were moving. And, you know, I really thought that by the time we got to today with all the steam and the excitement of Tiger, that, you know, his make the cut number would probably be moving to about a pick'em. But I mean, just in the last hour, even money on Tiger to make the cut. And to me, that is uh that is that is a must bet, even just from a fun standpoint of being able to cheer for the guy. For two weeks, for a couple of days to uh, to get through to it, but I'm with you. I mean, he said his shots are all there. 
I mean, we're talking about fatigue. And listen, if there's ever, if there's one athlete on the planet that has the best of a team around him to do anything it can possibly take to help him win, that will be it. And I'll be honest, I mean, I'm not getting on any Tiger to win futures, but it wouldn't surprise me if we saw him sneaking into the top 10, maybe at plus 550. And it's interesting of those top players that are in that sort of category. I mean, if you're guys that are 40 to one or, you know, in and around that, you know, their top 10 number is usually like plus 350, plus 375, plus 550 for Tiger. So uh, anyways, Tiger's going to be a lot of fun to watch and this tournament will be great. Everyone will get their pools going, uh, going on. Um, I want to get to baseball with you and the excitement for the baseball season in a second. But first off, let's get to hockey. Um, you know, we talked Jets when I was on your program, and unfortunately, there hasn't been a lot of great things to talk about this team this year. I mean, I know I mean, you do incredible daily analysis of uh, spots and games, but also overall in the season. What were your thoughts on the Jets coming in, and how surprised are you as to the fact that we're talking about basically next year right now with 12 games to go? I am surprised uh, to the latter. I, I thought we'd be looking at a playoff team. I, I thought they revamped their defense and, you know, they're just getting a, a heck of a season from Kyle Connor. And you know what, Pierre-Luc Dubois, like this is the Pierre-Luc Dubois that the Jets thought that they were getting. And I think last year when they acquired him, there was a bunch of different factors, you know, going to a new team. What did he have? Like basically a month off before he really just started to play, maybe just out of shape as well. Like, and I'm obviously just speculating here, but the Pierre-Luc Dubois that you saw last year, I mean, that's the outlier for me. And he's having a fantastic season. You know, overall, I thought the defense would be a little bit better. I mean, yeah, I, I cover this sport from a, a daily standpoint, just like you. I take a look at a lot, a lot of the five-on-five numbers. And just even over the last five weeks, some you know, a matchup here against Detroit, both teams inside the top 10 and allowing shot attempts, allowing high danger chances, expected goals against. It's, you know, without Hellebuck, this is... Uh, I mean, they'd be out of out of it weeks ago. And I know a lot of people even outside of Winnipeg are, you know, in fantasy, I hear, what do I do with Connor Hellebuck? What do I do with Connor? I mean, he's fine. He's great. He's a, he's a world-class goalie. Play him every night. Who is, <laughs> play him every night. And he steals games for the Jets. He's an absolute stud. Uh, but I am surprised. They've went through some moments. Uh, I think clearly, like, Wheeler missed a bit of time. They started off the season really slow with Shifley and Wheeler not getting a lot of offense. And that's what you and I talked about as well. You know, Paul Maurice stepping down, I think, was a bit of a, a shocker to a lot of people, maybe an adjustment period there as well. And also Nikolai Ehlers, who I think is one of the better goal scorers in the NHL, is another guy who missed a significant amount of time, which would, they just weren't able to recover from. So it's been a tough year. I, I still like a lot of the pieces that they have. I don't know what you think that they do moving forward. I know that, you know, Andrew Kopp was a nice piece that's no longer around. I, I, I do like some of the depth that they have. Maybe we'll see some more kids like Perfetti uh, take a bit of a larger role. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, it doesn't look it doesn't look great for them. You know, there's only a couple games left. Yeah, well, um, Hellebuck has been, and, and, you know, listen, at times, and I mean, this has not been his best season. I mean, I, I will say that. But when you set the bar so high, I mean, you almost get spoiled. And in a way... How well he's played the last few years, Chris, I think has sort of contributed to some really bad habits that neither Paul Maurice nor Dave Lowry has been able to get this team off of right now. And certainly the coaching situation, and not just at the head coach, but the entire staff, which has basically been the same for 11 years, which just does not happen in the National Hockey League, has been a huge topic of conversation around here. And 
unfortunately will continue to be, especially when 16 teams, not including the Jets, begin the uh, quest for the Stanley Cup a little bit later on. Um, I know you're a Habs guy, so you're a perfect guy to ask about this because you have no skin in the game when it comes to the Leafs in that division. Um, a circus game last night with Toronto blowing the 5-1 lead and then losing eventually in overtime. But overall, I mean, if you told me before, you know, if I was a Leafs guy and you told me, hey, we're going to go in and play back-to-back games in Tampa and Florida and come away with three points, I'd feel pretty good about it. But you're in the market. You're around the area. Um, You know, to me, the choke job last year against Montreal just changed everything. Not that they still didn't have to win, but if they had just got that damn series against a team, they were much better then. You know, you don't have the baggage that they are carrying into this postseason. And I mean, I think it's exponentially ramped up the pressure on Matthews and Marner and all the players, as well as a guy like Kyle Dubas. Um, You know, as someone that is not a Leaf guy, I mean, what do you make of their situation, their ability to potentially win a series and everything that comes with that 18 year drought of being able to advance through a round in the Stanley Cup playoffs? It's it's remarkable. I think a lot of bad luck as well. I mean, uh, just series blown, not just even last year up 3-1 against the Canadians and and just kind of running into Carey Price who really, you know, stole the stole the series from the Leafs. I mean, years prior against the Blue Jackets as well, they kind of, you know, couldn't get in when the NHL was in the in the bubble and trying to advance and they couldn't get by the Columbus. They ran into another hot goalie in in Corpus Allo throughout that series and you go back to the to the Boston series as well a few years ago, um, and it does feel like just like yesterday. But there's another series that they just blew, and they were completely and now it's a different core. You know what? I was I've been really impressed with the Leafs over the past couple of weeks, um, especially with like you said, they went into Tampa Bay and they I thought they dominated the Bolts. They went into Florida and they were they really did dominate that game and and let it slip. But how hard can you be on Toronto for that game? <clears throat> Excuse me, when you see Florida lead the league in the NHL in comebacks. I mean, they were just down six two in the third period a couple games before. I know it was a different team in the Devils, and they came back and they found a way to win that game. I I do think, and even before those two games, Hustler, they went into Boston and and played a Bruins team on home ice which are at the top of their game. They had rattled off like wins in eight of 10 and they were really feeling it. And they went in and I thought bullied them as well. Matthews and Marner have taken their game to another level that I, I, I didn't even really realize that they had. Uh, and it's, it's spectacular to watch those two. I love the Giordano pickup, even though he's a little bit older and he's lost a lot of foot speed. I think it's exactly what they've needed over the past couple of years to take some pressure off the, you know, the top pairing and Morgan Riley and even Muzzin. Uh, you can't be playing Muzz in 24, 25 minutes a night. You thought you saw that he got caught up in, in that series against the Habs. And when he was out, when he suffered the injury, they just didn't have any depth. So I do like the Giordano pickup, but ultimately Hustler, I mean, they're going to play Florida, Tampa, or Boston. I think they have the offense to go toe to toe with those teams. We've seen it over the past couple of weeks, but where I have the big question and I'm sure you do and your viewers and listeners is in goal. Right. It, it, that's what it's going to come down to. It's going to come down to goaltending. Uh, Jack Campbell, I don't know. I just, you know, he, he hasn't been healthy this season. This is really his first full year in the NHL. And, you know, he started off really strong and then the struggle started to come. And, you know, he's missed some time here with an injury. I think, though, if they do find a way to get by round one, look out because they're going to have that weight off of them. It's going to be a ton of confidence. They start to feel themselves. Listen, we finally got that win. 
We're into the second round of the playoffs. It's not going to get any easier. The, it's going to be a bloodbath in the East. I think there's a clearer path oh. in the West, but this is it. Like They're going to have some tough teams, whether it's Tampa, the defending two-time Stanley Cup champion, Bolts, which I do think that they could get by. And then you'd have Florida again, potentially. And then the crossover with potentially Carolina. Um, you know, it's it's going to be really, really tough. And everyone at Hustler is going to be all over them if they lose, but it's hard to fault them if they don't get by a team like Tampa Bay or Boston in the first round. It's 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 really going to be a bloodbath. But also, to wrap up the Leafs combo from my end, if they don't get by in the first round, how many more excuses can you make for them? It, you know, the, the spotlight will be on Dubas. He'll have to make a move, whether that's William Nylander. Tavares is locked in. I don't think anybody's taking on that contract. Marner and Matthews aren't going anywhere. They'd have to make a, a significant shakeup. And it's probably Nylander is the one to go. And they would need to figure out what they're going to do in goal if, if Campbell can't carry the load. No doubt about that. Um, the other Canadian teams that will be participating in the postseason are out west. And I'll bury Horowitz myself for my last visit with you right. guys because we talked about Calgary at the break when they were 23-1 and one, uh, 23 to, one to, to, to win a cup. And since then, I mean, they came out of the break and rattled off nine or ten in a row and now have really emerged as a legitimate Stanley Cup threat. Um, Oilers have gotten around around it too. And that's one thing here in Winnipeg. Um, listen, there was a lot of people that thought Paul Maurice's expiry date has long since passed. But the way that it happened, when it happened, <clears throat> excuse me, um, you know, they played the two games and then were off for two and a half weeks. And, you know, they did a lot of practicing and then they came in after, you know, that that time where you normally get that coach bump didn't happen for the Winnipeg Jets. And frankly, not much right. has changed throughout this year. Very different story with the Edmonton Oilers and Todd Woodcroft. I mean, their five-on-five five numbers are night and day as opposed to yep. what they are now as opposed to Dave, Dave Tippett. Um, just give us, your, before we move on to baseball, thoughts on the uh, two Alberta teams and uh, will we get a battle of Alberta in round two between the Flames and Oilers? Because uh, that would be incredible entertainment for hockey fans, I think, no matter what side of the fence you're on. Oh my goodness. Uh, how about the Flames and Oilers game uh, last week when <laughs> I, I was sitting there watching the game? The the in-game total was 11 and a half, I think, a couple minutes into the second period. And I was sitting and telling the subscribers at FTN, I still think I like the over here. Like, I, I still think we're going to see some offense in this game. It would be a heck of a series if if we saw it. I don't know if we will. I, I have a lot of respect for the LA Kings. So if it's an LA and Edmonton series... Just the fact of of playing, we saw you know Philip Deneau last year what he was able to do with the Montreal Canadiens up against Matthews and Marner in the first round. They combined for one goal in the second round against the Jets. Really didn't get a whole. Obviously, Shifley wasn't really a big part of that series, just playing the one game, but didn't really get a lot of offense from anybody else in that series because of Deneau went and played Vegas in the third round and nothing from Stone and Pacioretty. So if if you're Edmonton and you're playing a, game, a, a team like the Kings in a seven-game series, you're going to have to probably play McDavid and Drysaddle 40 minutes, roughly, up against Kopitar and Deneau, uh, two really strong defensive centers. So I would honestly give the benefit of the doubt to, to the Kings who are a little bit more structured uh, defensively and can offer a little bit offensively as well. Now, they would need to have Drew Doughty healthy, I think, to, to really go on a run. But I really like this Flame squad. I, I love Calgary. Uh, good on you, man, to come on the show. And you you gave that as your favorite pick. And that was before they went on that run. That was before, I believe, they acquired Tyler Toffoli, Cali Yarncrook. 
I don't really think that there's a hole on the team. Maybe defensively some issues, but Rasmus Anderson, I think, is a, is a bona fide stud. Markstrom's had a really nice bounce back season. That top line in, in Lindholm and Kachuk and Goudreau has been one of the best five and five lines in the NHL. They're all having career seasons. Make a case for Lindholm, Selkie. Make a case for, you know, Johnny as hard. He's not going to get it, but certainly could make a case there. And Matthew Kachuk's been fantastic. I, I don't think they, they're going to be a really tough team to play in the playoffs. They just really will with Sutter and what they do defensively. And this is a different Sutter vibe because they have it offensively. The addition of Toffoli, I think, is really uh, what they needed. Callie Yarnkark is a great third line center. Backlund's a great defensive center, too. Uh, they're getting contributions from Andrew Mangiapane. I, I really do think this Flames team is legit, for real. Um, right now, you know, talking to you on April 6th, they're probably going to be, you know, my team to come out of the West. Uh, no disrespect to Colorado. Just really like the, the Flames squad. I think that's the best chance to bring a cup back to Canada for the first time since 93. And, yeah, I mean, clearly we all want to see uh, the Battle of Alberta. That would be really, really entertaining. And hopefully we do get to see that. But I would give the benefit of the doubt to to the Flames for sure. This the they're just more sound. Well, sign me up for a Colorado Calgary Western Conference final. But Absolutely. just like Calgary has some work to do, so will Colorado. Uh, when you look at that Central Division, uh, and there will be five teams in it. One of Dallas or Nashville will pop over and play Calgary in the first round. Um, of those teams, who do you think poses the biggest threat to Colorado to get to the Final Four? I think maybe Nashville, um, you know, Dallas, I, I think Dallas is just a, I, I hate to say this, but I just really truly believe that they're a one line team. A lot of their offense this season just really comes from that top line and Pavelski is having a great season and Robertson and Hintz, you know, they what just haven't got ben a whole lot. Oh my goodness. Right. That's, that's what I want to know. I mean, look at their contracts. I think Ben's got three or four years left. Sagan's got a, maybe the same. They're both making at least nine. I think maybe, Ends at eight seven five or something like that, and Sagan's right in around that number as well. I mean, they, they just need those guys to show up. Over the last seven weeks of the season, the team with the fewest goals for at five and five per sixty on the road is Dallas. Like, and it's not even really close. Uh, and that's just really concerning for me for a team that would have to go into Calgary or go into Colorado, and and they would have to get a couple wins on the road just to win that series would be extremely tough. I mean, the Avs are the best team on home ice and Florida is right there with them. So I think I'd give the benefit of the doubt to Nashville. They're a tough team to play against. You know, UC Saros has been really good this season. I know he's went through something over the past couple of weeks. He, he really bounced back last night. He made, I think, oh, 47 saves. He was he huge was last night. And listen, I yeah. just wanted to bring up the wild because, you know, of all the yep. deals that were made at the deadline, it was interesting to see Bill Guerin be so aggressive because... This is a team that is going to have $14 million in cap penalties in successive years. And then, yeah, they've got Kaprizov signed, but I think they sort of realize that with the pain that's coming on the cap in the coming years, this is one of their best chances to do it. And they go out and acquire Marc-Andre Fleury, and it's turned Cam Talbot into the best goalie in the National Hockey League, which is funny. It was Fleury <laughs> last night that went in and got lit up for six. Yeah. Um, yeah. Do, do, do you, are you buying the Minnesota Wild as a real playoff contender? I am. I am. Actually, if I'm going to rank the West, I would rank Calgary ahead of Colorado. I'd go Colorado too, and then I would go Minnesota. If I'm ranking the three teams that in the Western Conference that I think could make legitimate runs, I really like this Wild team a lot. I, I would have liked to see them add maybe something else offensively, just like a second line. I know they were in on Claude Giroux. 
it, it's really it was strange to see them go after Flurry because it doesn't seem like that's sort of their deal. I know Bill Guerin's got a relationship with Flurry, and he he really wanted to to bring in a goaltender. You know, they do have some nice young kids that I thought they could have parted with, but they stayed the course, like Marco Rossi, Matthew Boldy. I would have liked to see maybe somebody step in on that second line and play with Fiala and Boldy, but that top line has been intact. It's been great all year. Kaprizov, Hartman, and Zuccarello has been fantastic. The defense is solid. Looking, again, back to 5-5 five and five numbers, we were kind of picking on the Jets a little bit there, but the Wild have been a team that have been one of the stingiest teams in 5-5 five, on five and five play over the past couple of years. They just haven't been able to get that goaltending. So you're right. It's kind of lit a fire under Cam Talbot, right? the addition of Flurry. but clearly this is a team when they go into the playoffs, I do fully believe that Flurry will be the game one starter. He's had a tremendous amount of success in the postseason. Uh, dating back to last season, he was fantastic against the Avs in that second round. And if you're looking forward to that second round, that could potentially be a second round matchup with Colorado, Minnesota. The Wild are dominant at home. They're a really tough team to be on home ice as well. And they've had Colorado's number over the years. Now, I know it's been different teams, but I always think of Andrew Burnett, who's now behind the net with with Florida and the years with Waugh and Hayduke and Sackick, and they just had they were so dominant back then, and the Wild upset them. They're a team that has just had Colorado's number over the past couple of years, and Colorado went in there the other day and played them in Minnesota, and the Wild were able to come back and and find a way to get a win there. So I do think that they have a lot to offer. They play really tough, uh, hard nosed hockey, which is something that stands out to me in the playoffs, right? Um, they have a lot of physical, physical players. And the biggest thing for me is in just determining where these teams, if they're legitimate Stanley Cup contenders, is is the five-on-five play. You know what I mean? The whistles kind of get put away uh, come playoff time. The five-on-five play, and they do uh, carry possession. So, yeah, they're, they're going to be a, a pain in, if it's Colorado or Minnesota, they're going to be a pain for teams. And I do believe that they are legitimate. They could make a run. Chris Meany is with us from FTN Bets and FTN Daily. He's the host of Mean Streets on the Game Plus Network. Cannot have you on the day before opening day without quickly hitting the Major League Baseball <laughs> season. What have been the baseball? What have the baseball convos been like on the program? And have have they all been filled with massive excitement and exuberance for the Jays, who will actually be playing an entire season in their ballpark, or at least half of it, and not being the uh, nomads that they've been for the last few seasons? Yeah, what a disadvantage last year for them to play in like like a couple different ballparks and like was was it really home ballparks in Dunedin? I I heard fan bases booing them at times like that sort of stuff doesn't happen at the Rogers Center. So certainly exciting. It's been a lot of Toronto talk for sure. I mean, some of the additions that they've made, obviously, you know, Vlad being the, the AL MVP runner up last year, the strong breakout season from Bo Bichette. I mean, some of his numbers, if you look at it, he just like touches all categories from a fantasy standpoint. He's, I mean, both of these guys are were top five picks in fantasy land. You know, you bring in Kevin Gaussman, you lose Robbie Ray. That's fine. I think Gaussman is, uh, I think he's a solid ground ball pitcher. Won't get into too much trouble that Ray got into at moments. Obviously a fantastic season from him last year, but the command's a little bit better, keeps the ball on the ground, which is what you want when you play at Rogers Center and you play in those uh, hitter-friendly ballparks in the AL East. Alec Manoa, I think, is um, going to take a step forward. The bullpen is the one question mark, but they were a top-five offense last year. You bring in Matt Chapman, who can contribute with 25-plus bombs. What you have him for is defense, right? It's a multi-gold glove winner. And I saw a stat, Hustler in the offseason that no team induced more ground balls at third base than the Jays last year, right? So to, to get a guy like Chapman on that hot corner 
is just another, you know, great addition. I got them winning the division. I got them making a legitimate run. Uh, I, I'm a little hesitant to take the over on their win total. It's a little high. I mean, I think the, there's real value on the Rays to potentially win the division. But I do like, I do like the Bluebirds. It's been a lot of talk with with Toronto. Uh, you know, just even the back end of the rotation with Hinjin Ryu doesn't really. He's not the same sort of pitcher. And you say Kikuchi is is just fine as a five. Where in Seattle, he's like you know asked to be. You know, front end guy in the rotation. So you put him back at the the back part of the rotation. They have a lot to offer. I'll chuck a couple win totals at you that I do like. Um, the under in Oakland, you know, last week was 70 and a half before Shamanaya got flipped and kind of expected that. They've been trading everybody away. Matt Olson, Chapman, we just talked about, as well as Manaya. I think Frankie Montas might be the other guy, but you can still get 69 and a half. I like the under there, like the under in Washington at 71 and a half. It's another team that I think will know ship some of their pieces off they got nelson cruz to try to make juan soto happy and give him a bit of protection but he'll probably be a deadline move and and they just don't have the chucking i think milwaukee is the team that to me you know 16 to 1 to win the world series 89 and a half their win total i think they can creep with uh creep up to the mid early 90s maybe 94 95 wins i really love the rotation the reason i think that they could make a push hustler in the playoffs the offense is not great. Clearly, that's an issue for them. They're going to have to try to maybe get a bat, or Christian Yelich is going to have to bounce back. But the the that pitching staff with Corbin Burns, Cy Young winner, Brandon Woodruff, uh, you know, former in the conversation for winning Cy Youngs, uh, those two guys and Freddie Peralta and what they have to offer bullpen wise, I think they'd be a really tough team uh, to beat in the playoffs. And a couple other win totals on the way out: Angels, eighty three and a half. Detroit, 77 and a half. Love the Austin Meadows pickup the other day. And the Giants are getting no respect. 85 and a half. They won 108 games last year. I don't think they'll get to 100. Not a lot has changed uh, from San Fran. So 85 and a half, I think, is really low. Meany, before we go, um, and folks, you can see this incredible Swami act at the uh, the pinned tweet on his uh, on his Twitter feed. You nailed Otani at MVP at 50 to 1 last year, which I know made a lot of your listeners and viewers quite happy. Uh, do you have an MVP favorite right now, or at least a real great value bet I mean, for someone to put on and uh, have some fun cheering for a guy all season? I'd hate to come in with the chalk, right? I know, after the, the 50 to 1. I wonder if, you know, Shohei set a precedent last year. If just if he has the same type of season as last year, how is he not the MVP? And that was my thinking as well heading into last season. If this guy can give 100 innings, flirt with 100 strikeouts, win seven to eight games, smash 35 bombs, chip in with double digit stolen bases, how is he not the MVP again? But I do think it's Vlad's uh, to lose with that lineup. I don't think that there's uh, there's just so much protection in it. He's very patient at the plate. You know, you can get him at 10 to one to lead the bigs and homers. I think it's it's probably his to lose. Um, you know, if I'm looking at a long shot bet, I'd go over maybe to the National League. I think there's a different, a few different pieces there that could fall into place for, you know, outside of Freddie Freeman and Bryce Harper. I think those are the two favorites in my opinion. A guy like Tyler O'Neill, you know, at 40 to 1, he came on really strong last year. He has the pop. He can hit for average. He can chip in with, with double-digit stolen bases. I think he's a, a decent long shot. I will throw a long shot at you just because. Uh, and it's the AL Cy Young. Shane McClanahan, the Tampa Bay Rays, I think he's got uh, a ton of pitches in his mix that he can throw at batters. Uh, he's going to have a double-digit K rate. He's going to like a K per nine. He's probably going to flirt with like 30% strikeout rate. I really do think he has a lot to offer. Tampa Bay just does this. There's a couple of things I noticed with the Rays. They're undervalued in the betting market. 
when you know a team calls to make a trade with them, you probably want to hang up. Or if they call <laughs> you, you probably want to hang up. They seem to win every other trade, and they have you know every year one or two pitchers pop up. So that'd be my long shot bet. I think he can get him at twenty five to one to win the Cy Young, and I think they'll have. He's had a hot start to spring. Well, he had a great spring. And I think if he starts off strong in April, you could see that number climb to like 15 or 10 to one pretty, pretty quickly. Chris, it's been awesome having you back on the program and hopefully we can do it again in the weeks and months to come. Fill our listeners and viewers in on uh, what's going on over FTN and where they can find you and all your content. Yeah, I do appreciate that hustler. Um, you know, we're mean streets is live every day, Monday to Friday at, at uh, noon Eastern. And again, on game plus network at two Eastern, just try to have some fun. We get some great guests, you know, like yourself, you jumped on there, you know, just giving some picks in the NHL, baseball, talking a little, uh, you know, props, NBA wise, you know, as we start to turn the page from the NHL, the NBA will obviously be doing a lot of baseball talk and NFL, the draft is coming up here soon. So football never dies. So we're, we're covering multiple sports over there. We have Dangle Betselli twice a week now is sponsored by Points Back Canada. That's Tuesdays and Thursdays with the Eric Young, who is uh, a wrestler by uh, day but you know by night he's a big hockey guy so we talk a lot of hockey there as well do appreciate it everybody can follow me on twitter at chris mini just you know talking sports all the time man you know what hey just quickly i'll let a little secret out of the bag i think the plan is to go down to vegas and do the show from uh bar canada at the d and circa all week for nfl draft week Nice. So if you have time, I'll get at you, and that would be great to talk to you before the draft for some of the uh, the topics that will be swirling and some of the options out on the market. So uh, I'll hit you up. But, uh, definitely look forward to doing it soon. And uh, if you ever need me, hit me up. Had a great time talking uh, puck with you on Mean Streets. Thanks so much, Chris. Yeah, thanks for having me. I'll hold you, I'll hold you to that. Have a good one, Hustler. <laughs> Book it. Uh, there's Chris Meany, great friend of the program. And uh, yes, check out his work on Mean Streets and uh, give him a follow on Twitter. Great, great content, especially if you're uh, someone like us that spends a lot of time talking uh, daily fantasy, fantasy sports as uh, well as the odd bet. All right, we're going to get back to some Jets talk, Jets and Wings tonight. Murata Tesh coming up. Great piece in the Athletic on a packed mailbag. Uh, before we do that, a quick hydration break on Winnipeg Sports Talk with our friends and great sponsors, Culligan Water. Culligan have been the experts in the water business for over 65 years as a family-owned company, keeping the water flowing to Winnipeg and Southern Manitoba. Culligan's got it all. Water softeners, filters, bottled water coolers, whole home systems, drinking water systems, and citywide water delivery services as well as commercial and industrial water products and solutions. Pop by and see them for all your water needs at 1200 Sargent Avenue. 694-5180 is the number, or find out more on what they can do for you, your family, or your business at drinkculligan.com. And yes, baseball season is here. More Jays gear coming in by the day over at Royal Sports. We're still waiting on that truckload of Canada soccer gear. Uh, but for the folks that are playing baseball, softball, gloves, bats, equipment, and more, not to mention an incredible soccer section, they are ready for spring and summer over at Royal Sports. Still the best hockey department in the city. And so many amazing bikes coming in by the week as well. And by the way, they're still looking for people that love working on bikes, mechanics, sales, service, and more. If you do have a family member or a friend that's into bikes, tell them to pop by at Royal. They would love to grab a resume and get them on board. Royal Sports, 750 Pemina Highway, and uh, online on Instagram over at Royal Sports Pemina. Give them a follow for the latest news, merchandise drops, and deals. All right, let's get back to the Winnipeg Jets. It is always a pleasure to welcome in our good friend Murata Tesh from The Athletic. 
Marat, what's going on? How are you doing? Great to have Hi. you back on the show. Great to be back. Doing well. Um, home from morning skate. Got another big game for this 1% to 2% chance of making the playoffs Winnipeg Jets team. Ready for it. Yeah, well, you know what? I, I really wanted to dig into uh, some of the... I mean, let's face it. I mean, I know you... Still, we have to say, that, yes, there's a 1% or 2% chance. I'm sort of... I was at peace a while ago. They ran a bunch of games. You started getting your hopes up. Maybe there could be a run. And I think the last couple of games sort of put that final nail in the coffin, although not mathematically. Um, but I do want to get to, you know, some of the bigger questions around the Jets, and you've been tackling many of them at The Athletic. Uh, but just quickly on this game tonight... Um, I know it wasn't a lot of guys out there for morning skate. Um, you know, you did talk to, and we'll maybe get to your question to Brendan Dillon and Mark Shifley in a minute. Uh, first things first, though, lineup for tonight. Um, you know, there'll be uh, Julia Vili Hanela back in a familiar spot, and that is the press box tonight. Um, I guess with Nate Schmidt going back, it was going to be one of the two, and um, Dave Lowry's decided to ride with Logan Stanley, playing with Nate Schmidt again in a pairing that, to be honest, has has uh, had some mishaps shall we say when they've been together yeah with Ville Hanela I guess fire up the Bernie uh, images right I think that was uh, one of the bloggers or the podcasters I, I wish I knew exactly who they've told me but I can't remember fire up the Ville Hanela on a lawn chair because yeah he's back in the press box to be sure um, other than Morrissey and DeMello there hasn't always been depending on which defenseman is going Neil Pionk has struggled but he's been good at other times Brendan Dillon sort of the same thing that Nate Schmidt pairing with Logan Stanley didn't have a tremendous amount of success Hustle, I'm not sure if they go back to it tonight I uh, just keep your ears peeled or your eyes peeled for the possibility that maybe we see Brendan Dillon play with Nate Schmidt as a as a veteran duo uh, in that in that top four um not 100 percent sure what to expect on that front part of me but um but actually part of me it could be schmidt and pionk is what i would like to to, to keep your eyes peeled for with dylan playing with logan stanley on the third pair i think there's a possibility that pairs change today now uh, I'll, I'll just i mean listen i realize that you know right now there's still 11 more games there's a lot more hockey to be played i said yesterday on the program or coming out of the weekend that okay here's where it is we know what the situation is I think it's in the best interest of the organization. And I mean, to me, it's not an either or thing with Vili Hainan and Logan Stanley. It's both of those guys getting as much time and as much playing time and maybe some different looks and different partners throughout the rest of this season to hopefully maybe give them a bit of a head start on next season. Do you see that happening? And if so, when? Well, I mean, it has to be soon. Certainly getting back to a full lineup situation gives Dave Lowry and Charlie Huddy a decision that they have to make. So they have to force a defenseman out of the lineup. They're not going to take a veteran out. I see some folks ask for that from time to time. That's just not going to happen. So the question then becomes, is Logan Stanley and, and Ville Hainala going to be part of a rotation? Is Logan Stanley going to get the majority of the minutes because that's where he's been in the pecking order so far? I think it behooves the Jets to use a rotation. Ken Weeb asked Dave Lowry about that yesterday. He said they'll use everything that they can. They'll use every man that they have. Uh, he wasn't particularly clear on exactly what the, the play is going to be. But next year, moving forward, I mean, is every veteran going to be back? Is Ville Hainala going to be in the press box again? Or is there a possibility that we're going to see a Ville Hainala-Logan Stanley third pairing for, for, year, for years, actually? Whether it's that or not, I think that what would probably benefit all of us is to stop pitting the guys against each other. Yes. Because for the Jets to work out, for there to be success, they need more than one defenseman to hit. 
and to make it as a, as a potential, at least a bottom pairing stalwart, if not a top four guy. And Logan Stanley, Villa Hainala, both doing that would go a long way towards success as the, as the years go by. Thank you for saying that. You echoed my comments from yesterday's show perfectly, um, you know, to me, and I don't know why. And I think maybe it's something that is not the case of most people that follow this club, but just some of the more people that, you know, have the hottest takes and are the loudest on things like social media. And it seems like with some, you have to be, if you really like one guy, then you got to be really negative on the other. And I don't know that that's positive for anyone. I will say this, though, Murat, uh, I'm not sure that there's two players in the entire lineup that could benefit more from significant playing time in the final dozen games of the season than those two players. And, you know, we've spent a lot of time talking about how this blue line looks next year and what the general manager does when it comes to uh, the cap makeup of this club. And I think it's highly likely that one, if not more of the five defensemen that are veterans right now might potentially not be here. And that opens up a spot for these young men that, you know, again, shouldn't be pitted against each other, but should both be given everything they can to make as much out of these final dozen games going into the offseason and hopefully come back as better players for next season when uh, everything starts from scratch again. Exactly right. I agree with that completely. Um, you know, up front, there was Cole Perfetti, and I'm still not sure if he sneaks into a couple of games at the end of the season. And, you know, Dave Lowry said he's unavailable right now, and certainly he hasn't been skating with the team. So it's possible he doesn't get back in. Other than that, look to the blue line. The future is is going to be written by guys like Ville Hainala and Logan Stanley, most likely. Dylan Sandberg, perhaps, as well. Um, that's where a lot of the future success is going to come from. And we've seen a lot of years where, you know, Nathan Beaulieu, Anthony Batetto, Carl Dahlstrom, you can go down the list, get big minutes, Tucker Pullman as well, get big minutes as pending unrestricted free agents who don't end up signing back with the team uh, or get traded in Dahlstrom's case for Paul Stastny. Um, but they don't end up back with the team. And you wonder where those developmental minutes went for, went. And with a playoff team, I guess you can make the argument one way or the other. With a non-playoff team, my goodness, I mean, it really should become about development in the in the not-too-distant future. And another guy to to that extent, if if we start to see Eric Comrie play a number of games as well down the stretch, that would be another guy to look out for. I think he's six games played away from being a Group 6 free agent um, at the end of the year as well. So there's some contractual things that kind of go into how much he plays or does not play as well. So there's another... There's another player. I don't think you're taking a whole bunch of starts away from Connor Hellebuck, especially the Jets are still acting and believing as if they can make the playoffs. But Eric Comrie is probably the only other guy I could think of that has more to gain or as much to gain as Billy Hainala and Logan Stanley from developmental minutes. Yeah, certainly. I mean, one guy I'll throw in there on the uh, up front is a newcomer, and that's Morgan Barron. Um, you know, I went and I saw him play the one game here in Winnipeg last Tuesday, and then uh, next thing you know, he's on the flight up on Wednesday, getting called up and playing against the Toronto Maple Leafs. And, um, you know, such has been the case with the Jets having poor starts and chasing the game and really leaning on their scoring players to hopefully get them back into it. We haven't seen much of Morgan Barron. There's been very limited ice time. Um, but considering the situation and, you know, the promise that he's shown, the package that he is as an athlete, um, I'd love to see him play and and maybe get a few looks at potentially not just on the fourth line in very limited role because um, you know, what you can learn about these young players in these final games, I think, can really help the organization, not only for next season, but help Kevin Sheveldayoff with some of the decision-making and the tough decisions that are certainly going to be on his desk as soon as the end of 82. Absolutely. I agree with that, with Barron being a really good example. 
especially given that the third line right now with Zach Sanford, Adam Lowry, and Mason Appleton. Well, again, you have Sanford, a more veteran player who we don't really know the plans for in the offseason. You know, I I don't have the the goods on where he's likely to sign, but I had heard at one point that probably more likely in the States somewhere. So I'm not sure that he's part of the long-term plans. If he's not, then that spot is prime for giving younger players a little bit of opportunity. If Sanford isn't going to help the 2022-2023 Jets compete for the playoffs, well, then it's about players like Barron, like a Jansen Harkins if he returns to health. You know, we, we talked about the Gus bus. I think that's sailed. I think he's in COVID protocol, missed the Moose game today. I mean, there are players who can be part of the long-term solution uh, for whom those minutes will help the future Jets more than a pending unrestricted free agent. So I think Morgan Barron is a great example of that. And I agree with you. I think he is at the point where, at least in New York, where we have a, a bigger sample for him, you know, he was excellent for the Hartford Wolfpack in the AHL. And I think was proving to a lot of people there that he's ready for an NHL opportunity. And it seems like he has that for the time being. He certainly pushed Adam Brooks out of the lineup for the time as well. Uh, so that's somebody who you'd like to see get some opportunity to. Ron Atesh of The Athletic with us here on uh, the uh, Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily Show. Um, today, after the morning skate, it was... Um, Brandon Dillon and Mark Shifley that were there. And, you know, there's a number of questions that were asked. It was a pretty loose environment around the uh, the rink this morning. Um, but you did ask a pretty pointed question, um, uh, something that we're going to get to in a minute on, you know, the Jets' ability to defend and about, um, you know, the amount of slot shots that the Winnipeg Jets have given up. Um, tell us about the question and what you heard from the players. Yeah, the question comes from just you know, a, an honest place of truth. If you look at the stats, if you've watched the team play, whichever metric that you want to use, whether you want to listen to the coaches of opposing teams like Bruce Cassidy, whether you want to talk about the Craig Button rant on TSN, whether you use your eyes, the experts, or the stats, Winnipeg gives up too much from the middle of the ice in front of the, in front of Connor Hellebuck and in front of Eric Comrie. There's too much quality there. And you know, guys like me, we can look at the stat sheet and we can see that. We can look at the heat maps. We can see that. We can use our eyes and, and put that together. But only an NHL player, only an NHL coach is going to give you the goods in terms of the X's and O's or the why is this happening. Other than that, it's really just theories from us. And, you know, I've picked on Mark Shifley's defense, uh, you know, quite a lot over the course of the season. I really think that there are a lot of 50-50 plays or even less than 50-50 plays where he chooses the offense route and, and leaves the defense to somebody else on his team, you know, Brendan Dillon as well, a top four defenseman. And, you know, he's played up and down as well. And these are two bright, bright guys. If I'm going to talk about this and write about it, I better ask the question as well and see what we can learn from folks like that. Um, it wasn't the deepest dive of an answer from Brendan Dillon on the topic. I think, you know, both of the guys kind of pause and who's going to take this one and what are we going to say? But Dylan suggested that there have been some defensive adjustments and systemic changes over the course of the year that may, you know, involve a need for heightened communication and things like that. Um, and I, I think that it, the, the presser ended at that. Mine was the last question and uh, it was announced as such as I was asking it. So that's kind of where, where it stands. I think there's room for more of a deep dive. I think there's room for more space, but I mean, I got to put it to the guys if I'm going to write about it. And so uh, they had the opportunity to speak to it. Well, it was uh, it was a great question, and it was something that I know we've talked a lot about. And listen, I'm sure the players in the team have talked about too. Well, I guarantee the coaches have talked about it in the coaching room. Whether how much they've been imparting on their team has worked remains to be remains to be seen. Um, 
But going into this offseason, I mean, the big questions about defense, uh, so much of it comes on coaching. And listen, we've talked a lot about Dave Lowry's situation, which I think was a very difficult one to come in. Um, the way Paul Maurice left, uh, the fact that they just played a couple games and had a long break before coming back after basically a Christmas holiday and the COVID shutdown and all that. Um, but it's hard to ignore the fact that there hasn't really been significant improvement anywhere except for maybe the penalty kill since he took over for Paul Maurice, which certainly does begat the question or discussion about what makes the most sense for the Winnipeg Jets coaching-wise next year. Um, I, I won't ask you to say whether or you know, to be the judge, jury, and executioner of Dave Lowry, but let's say that they decide as an organization to move on and bring someone new in. When you think about that job and the task at hand for this group, regardless of you know changes of the Kevin Chevaldeoff makes, assuming that most of this team is back next year, what would you be looking for in a coach? What type of a coach do you would would make the most sense to get the most out of the Winnipeg Jets in your mind, Marat? For me, it's really about tying the minutes that players get to their overall impact and not just how much they score or what contract they have or how long they've been around, but both sides of the ice, neutral zone included, all three zones, what happens when these guys are on the ice? What's the commitment level like? What's the effort and energy level like? You know, how long are the shifts? How how good are the fundamentals? And then with the ice time that they get, how much do they produce relative to what they give up? And Winnipeg has kind of been haunted by the fact that some of the guys that produce the most are the ones who give up the most as well. And not just within the realm of reasonable for they play against the best competition, which is often true. Um, it's been a little bit disproportionate. And if you want Winnipeg to win, if you want Winnipeg to be a playoff team, so 16 out of 32 makes make the playoffs. If you're a playoff team, presumably you're above average. If you're winning rounds, presumably you're one of the better teams. To do that, you need your best line to outscore other best lines. On the whole, they have to create more than they give up. And I think that's what's really plagued the Winnipeg Jets is this level of commitment to defense from, yes, I harp on this so often, and he's such a good player in so many different ways. I loved his insight that he brought to the press conference today, his reflections on Humboldt, but Mark Scheifele is not a strong defensive player right now. He had been at times early on in his career, and if Winnipeg's number one, de number one centerman continues to get number one centerman minutes, players within that team are going to have issue with it. There's no way around that. I mean, it's so substantial that it is impossible not to see. And I think that either Mark Shifley returns to that all-around excellence or close to it because he creates so much he can get away with being average defensively. That would be completely fine. Um, either he gets back to that because he and the coach have a sit-down and whatever else needs to happen, or... Uh, or those minutes get cut. And I know that we're not talking about roster changes right now, but those minutes then get cut and Pierre-Luc Dubois is getting major minutes. And there's other line combinations as well. So I really think that the the question about coaching is is accountability, accountability, pardon me, I can't even say the word. Um, and it's about tying minutes to performance in every facet of the game. Well, I mean, accountability has been the buzzword that we've talked about during the Paul Maurice era and afterwards. And I mean, I think you sort of nailed it. And yeah, it does start with 55 because, I mean, I've thought the exact same thing. Um, you know, when you're leaning on so many players to do particular things and the guys that you count on the most are 
seemingly at times not engaged or not doing what everyone else is, um, it hurts the team. And, you know, it, and I think it hurts the dressing room as well. I mean, as far as the real commitment to the team, when you don't see the most important players on the team pulling their weight in that respect. Um, can, so, I, can I jump in on that? Can yeah. I just before before I let that one go? I mean, you've seen me write really critically on this topic and you saw the mailbag that you mentioned earlier today. I mean, I say it again and um, it's in there every time I write something like that. And I try to back it up with as much, you know, whether it's data or video, depending on the piece. Every time I write that, I worry, you know, is somebody within the Jets going to send me an e angry email? That never happens. Um, is somebody, you know, are the fans going to rail against it? What's the feedback going to be like? And you know what has happened more often than not is that people with NHL jobs, with front office jobs, with people, whether it's in Winnipeg or outside of Winnipeg more commonly, I hear from them that, you know what, somebody needed to say that. And that's shocking to me, the fact that I get messages like that. Like well, that, that's why in the mailbag today I was as pointed as I was, because these conversations don't get started by me. They get started by people who know more than me. So I, I that's why... That's why I write what I write and I'm so concerned like I am. No, listen, I mean, I'm the I'm the exact same way. And I mean, I'm sitting here talking for two plus hours a day, more the majority of it during the hockey season, you know, on the Jets. And I mean, I think everyone knows that all of this comes from a place of passion for the club, at least me personally. I mean, wanting the club to do well, wanting to see the best out of this club that's possible. And um it's the exact same thing. I've had a ton of conversations with people. And I mean, I was bringing this up starting in November when things were starting on as to what's the future of Mark Shifley worth going on. And I'll tell you what, there has been no negative brushback from it all. And um, in fact, depending on, you know, who I was talking to at the time, it was sort of like, you know, like exactly what you just said. Some of this stuff needs to be said. And um, as I said, I mean, like the thing that is so confounding and so frustrating is that we've seen so much better at times before from said player mark shifley and we know that the talent is there and the bottom line is he is just so damn important to this team that you know if you get the best out of mark shifley this team's going to be really good and if what's happened this season way too often happens not only does it drag down the team in a particular game but i really do think it has an effect on the rest of the rank and file wearing those jerseys so um hey listen the conversation isn't getting any isn't going away anytime soon be interesting to see i mean i kind of talk about what i'm looking for in the final 12 games of this year um and you know for some younger players will be able to show that they belong and they're able to do more and hopefully showing some improvement but for many of the players that are well-established veterans i mean i think we're going to find out a lot about you know how committed they are to their teammates um you know to the people that are writing their checks um and listen i know there's some probably a portion of the fan base that would love for these guys just to fall flat and lose every game and you know get a better draft pick but um that's not what the culture of winning hockey teams do and uh you know it's going to be fascinating to see kind of how this team plays what the coaching staff does who plays how they handle things um but also the response of the veteran players um, to the very unfortunate situation where you're essentially playing for next year, um, you know, with a significant time of uh, a period less left in the season. Back to the mailbag for the minute. And I love the fact that I'm not surprised that you got a number of comments on this. And it sort of goes into the coaching discussion for next year, uh, but it involves Nikolai Ehlers. And Ehlers, we've talked about, you know, for hours probably over the course of this past year about the special things that he does, what he brings to the team. Uh, I don't think anyone could possibly make the argument that the Winnipeg Jets have gotten 
the most out of Nikolai Ehlers over the last few years. And a big part of that is where he's playing, how much he's playing, who he's playing with, all of that. Would you agree that, you know, regardless of who is the coach next season, maybe the most important job when it comes to figuring out how the puzzle pieces work together is making a point of getting Nikolai Ehlers comfortable on a line long-term that can play 1A, 1B minutes and um, increase the productivity of a guy that, you know, when he's on the ice is a massive difference maker for Winnipeg. A hundred percent. Well said. Um, Sorry, just clearing my throat. The, the way that Winnipeg earns its reputation, I think, as a deep and dominant offensive group whose forwards are just set, is it has two lines that outscore the opposition like a first line would typically do. And Kyle Connor and Pierre-Luc Dubois are two-thirds of an awfully great start at one. Nikolai Ehlers should be part of another. And certainly, you know, Mark Shifley has that ability as well, depending on all the stuff that we've just talked about. Blake Wheeler has been, at times of his career, one of the most dominant players in the NHL. But right now, if you're the Winnipeg Jets, again, it's Connor and Dubois, two-thirds of excellence right there. And then Nikolai Ehlers is your other prime-aged, dominant, dynamic forward who can carry the flow of play and outscore his opposition. He's not great in his own in his own zone. He's not going to be doing the two pad stack shot blocks and all that sort of stuff, but he's so good with the puck and transitioning it up ice that his impact is positive. So whereas the, the question perhaps of the last several years has been who plays with Shifley and Wheeler, is it Kyle Connor or somebody else? Maybe it's about going to those prime aged players like Nikolai Ehlers and searching a line mate that works for him. Um, because of how important he is. And if you have a first-line caliber set up in Connor and Dubois, you should be able to move somebody to that other line. And, you know, Shifley has shown some promise there. They, they're certainly both elite passers in their own way, um, though we've talked about maybe the chemistry. Sometimes I think Shifley likes a little bit more predictability in terms of a Kyle Connor than, than, Mark, than Nikolai Ehlers can be tougher to predict, which is a challenge, I think. But he is such an important player, to your point, that I think that a coach would get a long ways out of the Winnipeg Jets, but just by tweaking the sliders a little bit in terms of increasing his ice time and opportunity and, and the amount of, um, you know, ideal minutes necessarily that, that Nikolai Ehlers gets. Ehlers is, um, I mean, and you've done a great job at, you know, putting out the, which is actually, let me just ask you for people that haven't read it. I mean, how does Nikolai Ehlers compare both for, offensive chances generated time and zone uh, you know and then the because i mean let's face it no one is going to be nominating nikolai ehlers for the selkie anytime soon but the bottom line is i think you would agree that the results dictate that you know when he's on the ice the jets are doing better and they're spending more time on the other team's end than they are in their own end and that by definition i mean the best defense is a good offense right you're playing in the other team's zone yeah absolutely it doesn't matter to me like stylistically how it gets done doesn't matter. If a player outscores the other team when they're on the ice, that's good. And Nikolai Ehlers can do it one way. Pierre-Luc Dubois can do it another way. And what we've found over the years is that he is so good at transitioning the puck up ice, he has a positive impact on the team's defensive numbers because it spends less time in, in Winnipeg's end. And that's granting what you said. He's not going to win a Selkie Trophy anytime soon. The other side of the coin is... His offense tends to get underrated. He tends to miss a few games every year due to injury or what have you. So he's not putting up these gaudy totals like Connor and Shifley and others have, nor is he getting the minutes necessarily at five on five that these other guys have. 
But over the last several years, heading into this season, nobody scored more points per minute than Nikolai Ehlers did on the Winnipeg Jets. And that includes Kyle Connor. This year, Connor's number one, Ehlers is number two, and then you move on down the list. But this is a player in Ehlers who tends to be fourth, fifth, sixth, and even strength ice time by the end of the game. And for all the talk of, you know, how much stamina does he have or what have you, I just say, look at the veteran shift length and tell me that that's a valid argument, uh, you know, sometimes. Uh, so his metrics show a player who can help and who could help in an increased role. Uh, and, and certainly we've only ever seen that in snippets at, at various times. Right now, obviously, with a, a tremendous opportunity, and it's on him to do quite a lot with it. What did you think of Ehlers' time on the first power play unit in Connor's absence? And I guess subsequent to that, how do they get more of Nikolai Ehlers on the power play next year? Well, I mean, first unit time is how you do it. I, you know, first and foremost, power plays are more dangerous the more weapons they have. Every single player who is a passing or shooting threat in the position that they're in is one more option that defenses have to prepare for. Dave Lowry said it today, more options, more movement, the better. And so he's a player that can step into a role like that and have success. He scored fairly early on. Like, let's not forget that he scored um, as a first power play member. But I think that the highlight reel that's going to get shown a lot is that giveaway. He gets closed off by two guys along the wall, and then it leads to gangbusters the other way. And Winnipeg gives up a shorthanded goal. So, you know, there is an element of if you get that opportunity, you better protect the puck or send it somewhere safe in a moment like that. But on the aggregate, the guys produced on the power play on the second unit at a tremendous rate over the years. And he has the shot and he has the passing ability that, you know, I, I really can't see too many configurations of the Jets power play going forward without him in the number one, like on that number one unit. But I've been saying that for a few years. So we'll see. We'll see if it works out that way. <laughs> Murata Tesh of The Athletic. Make sure to check out the latest mailbag. A lot of great stuff. And as you had mentioned, the mailbag is overflowing these days. Jet fans have plenty of questions for you. Uh, I imagine there'll be part two coming up relatively soon. And uh, heck, you could probably do part three, part four, part five from the sounds of it with everything that's flooding the inbox. Yeah. Oh, I mean, when a team that's supposed to make the playoffs and win at least a round or compete to win a round doesn't and isn't going to... Yeah, the questions come in hot. Part two came out today, I should say, Huss. Um, so so we're out there. Um, part two is there. It's the longer of the two. It goes into the box outs. It goes into defensive structure. It goes into coaching and all of that. Touches on Shifley as well, of course. There's a cameo from my mom, who I called to get her review of, yes. <laughs> of a couple of key elements. And as soon as we hung up the phone, she said everything she had to say. She called me right back. I'm like, uh, hi, mom. Uh, everything good? And she said, oh, yeah, by the way, I'd like to add. So, so that's all in there. Um, so that's all in there as well. And I think the good thing, though, for guys like you, guys like me, um, and I'm sure that you'd report the same thing, Sometimes I get, oh, well, you just thrive on controversy. You want to pick things apart. Absolutely not. If the Winnipeg Jets go on a Stanley Cup run, do you know what that does to my subscription numbers? Huh. Like, you know what I mean? Like this team doing well would be better for everybody in the business, um, you know, ourselves included, I think. But the fact that it's not means that we get a lot of questions. And the fact that we get a lot of questions prove that these fans are still dialed in. Jets fans care. They want to see this ship get righted. They want to solve the problem that was whatever led to missing the playoffs this year, if that is what eventually happens, and, and get things going again. And that's been a good thing to see in the form of these mailbags. Well, there's no doubt about it. I know Mike had a piece in the free press, and, and there is a legitimate concern. It's a different world now than it was 10 years ago when the team came to come back. And from an organizational standpoint, they have some challenges that they've never dealt with before. 
Um, but, you know, as uh, cantankerous and as angry as some people are as to where we are right now in this season and uh, the fact that these are the conversations we're having as opposed to, oh, who are they going to play in the first round and all that sort of excitement, you're exactly right. I mean, this hockey team is um, a huge part of people's lives around here, 12 months a year, not just during the hockey season itself. And uh, and I think for that reason, it's made you know this sting more for people that were you know incredibly excited considering everything that we've been through for the last few years um and of course you know an incredibly thrilling sweep of the Edmonton Oilers last year that no one was able to be at um you know i think a lot of people myself included thought that this was going to be an amazing season and you know very exciting at this point and you know it's t- it's tough to take for a lot of folks but i don't think anyone should mistake that for real apathy, it is disappointment. And um, you know what? There's next season, but there's a lot of work to get to that point. And the great thing is, as you just mentioned, everyone has an opinion, everyone has a thought on it, and that is because at the end of the day, day they care about their hockey team. Absolutely right. It's why I get to eat, right? It's why <laughs> the station can do the stupid thing and you can take over and do what you do, right? It's like that's what makes it work for us. Um, so yeah, nice to get onto that topic and throw a little love out there too. No doubt about it. Uh, it was great stuff. Both parts of the mailbag are up right now over at the athletic.com. And I know you'll have a lot more just uh, quickly on the way out. Um, got Detroit in tonight and then, uh, you ramp it up a little bit on, uh, on Friday night. I mean, that was, what are you, when you go to the game tonight, I mean, we kind of know what the situation is right now. What are you going to be looking for? What will you be locked in and uh, will it be different than it was in the previous 70? Well, I think the team is still posturing and acting as though it can go on a run and, you know, this thing isn't over yet. But at the same time, you look for signs of who's still giving it 100%. And if there's anyone who isn't, uh, you know, they're professionals and they're very good at what they do. So I don't expect anything horrendous. But the big challenge for everybody is going to be when things aren't going well, sometimes good pieces don't look as good as they really are. And, you know, knowing what to throw away and what to keep, whether it's a system, an idea, a player at a particular role, et cetera, that's the tough thing. So you're looking for signs that these players are in various contexts are capable of having success. So if that's Pierre-Luc Dubois still running guys over and, and having a big impact on the game, I mean, gosh, he's taking some high sticks lately. He's blood, sweat and tears right now, right? Um, I can't come in on the tears. That's just conjecture. Blood and sweat at the very least, right? I mean, that's something that you look for. And okay, there's a guy that can drive even right down the stretch. Um, and if there are players that aren't having success, is that because of the context they're in? Is that because, like you say, you know, Morgan Barron on the fourth line? Is there a shot for him on the third line? Is there an opportunity there? You're looking to see, to give people opportunity to prove that they belong in the solution. Um, and, and that's, I think, where... You know, I think you got to admit that that's where we got to look. It is a future forward sort of situation in Winnipeg right now. No doubt about it. Great stuff, Murat. Always appreciate your time. Enjoy the game tonight, and I'll look forward to catching up with you next week. Thanks, Hus. Thanks for having me. Right on. There it is. Murat Atash. Great Jets conversation. We'll have more of it throughout the week. Murat, Brandon Wicky tomorrow, and Ken Weeb coming up in just a second. All right. Really looking forward to this. We are going to go live to Augusta in just a minute to talk to Derek Ingram, the coach of Corey Connors. 
They were beside Tiger Woods yesterday. We'll get to that. A big thanks to all of our golf reports, courtesy of our friends over at Breezy Bend. So excited to get back out to the course this year and swing them. Uh, Breezy's been incredibly successful the last few years. Now they do have a waiting list for membership. It's an incredible spot for a wedding. But find out more on all the programs. Maybe Breezy is the future home of golf for you and your family. Find out more online at breezybend.ca. Cheers to our friends over at Little Brown Jug. They're also up for those Winnipeg Nightlife Awards. Head on over WNLA.ca. Give Winnipeg Sports Talk a vote. Give Little Brown Jug a vote. Vote if you can as well. And uh, you can enjoy the great taste of Little Brown Jug at the Tap Room down on William Avenue. Grab a 1919 at your favorite bar and restaurant around town. Or order online. Delivery citywide from Little Brown Jug on Wednesdays, Fridays, and Saturdays at littlebrownjug.ca. And hey, our friends at Not Auto Corp are ready for summer, and you may be thinking about going electric. Check out the Tesla Experience program they've got at Not Auto Corp, where you can drive, charge, and experience what it's like to be an electric Tesla vehicle owner. Find out more online at not.ca or pop down and see them at Waverly and McGilvery. All right, Remo, if you want to give Derek a call right now, we will get him lined up. Derek Ingram, of course, a great friend of the program. Canada's national golf coach has been working with players like Corey Connors and Mackenzie Hughes for many years. And now with Corey Connors back at the Masters for his third straight year. Yeah, he's been out there working on the range. And I guess today is the par three contest before things get going for real. And I know when we do talk to Derek, we'll get a picture up of uh, the, uh, the range yesterday where there was Derek sitting beside, right behind Corey, working on him, and 12 feet away was the legend himself, Tiger Woods, and a massive crowd around it. Can't wait to hear what it's like with the uh, just the all the excitement about the tournament, first and foremost, but the rather surprising news, I think, to many, that Tiger Woods is in the field and will be teeing it off tomorrow. Um, so we'll get Derek on right away, and... D.I., it's Hustler on Winnipeg Sports Talk. How are you? I'm great, Huss. How are you? I am doing very well. Thanks so much for joining us. We are live on the air right now. Uh, fill us in on uh, where you're at right now. Uh, well, I'm just in the uh, parking lot here for the players uh, at Augusta. And just Corey's playing playing the par three tournament. And so I had a quick break to give you a call and kind of hang out. Well, listen, I really appreciate you joining us here. Uh, there is so much excitement about this tournament, but I'll tell you what, I mean, real excitement about your guy and uh, our guys, Canadians, Corey Connors, along, of course, with defending champion Mike Weir and Mackenzie Hughes. I mean, just before we talk about the tournament and what's going to be facing them tomorrow, tell us about the week. What has it been like being around Augusta, the atmosphere around the Masters? And I imagine just incredible excitement. I happen to see you next to one Eldrick Tiger Woods on the range yesterday. And it looks like Tiger's going to give it a go, which just adds so much more to uh, what many people feel is the greatest tournament on the planet. Yeah, no, I've, I've been, I think this is my sixth uh, Masters tournament, uh, Hassan. I've never seen it like this, not even close. Um, there is so many more people on the grounds and the buzz with Tiger uh, back and looking great uh, and I guess, you know, just two years of COVID, you know, not many people are, it's, it's nuts here. Like I cannot believe the people here. Uh, and specifically when it comes to being around Tiger, uh, it's, it's pretty impressive. So, uh, yeah, he falls with us yesterday on the range. He looked great. 
Uh, I 100% expect him to play. Uh, I really love his game. Uh, I've always loved his game, but you know he's he you know he's he looks good, really good. So it's not like he's a you know a token. I'm gonna I'm gonna work my way around and see if I can make the cut. I mean, no, he looks like he's ready to compete, and he wouldn't be here if he wasn't. So uh, exciting for golf uh, and the golf world, and certainly for Augusta. What, what is it? Like, I mean. Like Tiger is just in a world of its own when it comes to, you know, international stars, never mind sports. I mean, what does it do when Tiger uh is just around? I mean, all of the rest of the world's best players, I mean, they still sort of look up to Tiger uh as an idol, if not the greatest competitor of all time. Was there a real buzz around uh, Augusta and the area when um it sort of started coming out that man, the big cat is going to be playing on Thursday? Yeah, I mean, everything stands still except for him. And, and, you know, people start watching, like, even the best of the best uh, superstars in the game, like Rory and Rom and, and DJ, stop and watch Tiger. Uh, and so that, I mean, that makes it really special. And, and you know, he really moves the needle in golf still. Um, there's really, I mean, he may be the most popular athlete ever, you know, maybe him and LeBron and, and maybe MJ. So, uh, and, that, and that's what it feels like around here. It, it feels like a superstar or, or uh, you know, something pretty special is, is, is in the air here. What uh, weather was a big story yesterday? I mean, to fill us in on what it's been like around the course, um, what it's like right now, and, uh, and how the course is looking from what you've seen so far. Yeah, the course is soft. Uh, and it's unfortunate because some people are paying, you know, just ridiculous uh crisis to, to be here and yesterday I got called at, at around 12 o'clock and knowing you know with the lightning and the storms no one got back in so their tickets are I don't know how they're going to address that that's above my pay scale but the same thing happened today but thankfully it just it was quick it blew over they found it it was safe and and everyone's back uh and the par three tournament uh can go on um like I said, the course is soft, but they've got in, incredible uh, agronomy and, you know, you know, staff here and, and the best golf course in the world. And they probably spent the most money, money on it in the world. So uh, greens are still, you know, rolling really nice. And uh, it's going to be long just with the wetness. And they've added some distance to a couple of holes. They added some yards to 15. Uh, they added some yards to, to five uh, a couple of years ago. It's just a bear. Uh, and so length will certainly help the ball's not roll, rolling a ton, uh, but they'll, they'll find a way to try and dry it out and make it play firm and fast, which is way more exciting. Um, but yeah, it's, it's in, in unbelievable shape compared to the last two years, the best shape I've ever seen it, uh, in my, you know, a bunch of years here. So, uh, it should be a, a wicked tournament. Derek Ingram joins us coaching Corey Connors at Augusta National at the Masters Tournament, which we begins tomorrow. Um, D.I., if you wouldn't mind, fill us in on what the week is like, what Masters Week is like for Corey as well as yourself. When do you get there? Fill us in on where you're staying and like how much access do you have to the course and kind of what have you guys been doing over Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday before uh, things get real tomorrow? Yeah, well, I... I uh saw Corey last week at San Antonio and the week before in Austin for the match play championships. So, uh, you know, we've been kind of gearing the game up for this week, starting maybe even five weeks or six weeks ago. 
when I went down to work with him at his home in, in Florida. So uh, game's good. Obviously, he's playing well. He hit 11th at Arnold Palmer, and a pretty good chance to do well at the players until he finished, I think, 25th or 26th, uh, you know, third of the match play. And then, you know, last week he had a bad Saturday. But playing, playing game's great. So it's, it's really about uh, being rested up and prepared and, and you know, the match play took a lot, lot, out, lot out of him. It, it was basically two golf tournaments in one week. So physically and mentally, he's, you know, he was pretty tired, and last week it showed. So we're trying to get fresh for, for this week, and it's easy to get fresh when you, you're at a course you love in a magical place like Augusta. So uh, some background there. Uh, he got here Sunday night, wasn't going to play or even touch a club on Monday, but because of the weather threat on Tuesday, he played nine with Mike Weir and, and uh, Mackenzie Hughes and did a little bit of a practice session on Monday. Yesterday, we were going to play 18, but we only got in uh, one hole. But we had a real good practice in the morning yesterday for almost three hours, uh, covering all the bases, putting, short game, full swing. And then today, we were going to do the same thing. We you know, we covered the bases with some practice this morning, went out and played, uh, got got five holes in before it poured. We were playing with Mackenzie and Vijay Singh, an amateur, I can't remember his name, from Michigan, and then when it, when uh, everyone got called off the course, we uh, when they allowed us to go back out, he was the first one out there again and played by himself, played six, seven, eight, nine, uh, and did some prep that way. And we had a nice session just now. And and again, just trying to be fresh and and not uh, beat himself up too much in terms of physically and mentally, and just be ready ready mentally for for tomorrow. And and he is so. Uh, and that's kind of how guys do it. I think you know they don't want to over practice or over prepare. Uh, often when you're a rookie or new here, you do do that because you need to know the golf course, but, but Corey's been here so much and he's got some great vibes that he knows the course really, really well. And I think I mentioned in the past, he's got a photographic memory. So, you know, he knows, you know, what's, what's going on with the golf course. Yeah. Well, and he also remembers that he's been there twice and he's been in the top 10 both times. I'm, I imagine like he probably just gets to Augusta. I mean, you'd have the natural excitement about being eligible to play in the masters tournament, but for Corey Connors, I have to think that this is a place where he comes, and even though he's looking that he's going head-to-head with the best in the world, he's done it before, and he's done very well. Great vibes for Corey at uh, at Augusta. Yeah, loves the golf course and really suits his game, too. It's not that you know, hitting it straight and being a great iron player doesn't suit every course, but he, you know, he, he basically draws every club in his bag. Uh, just, just a little bit, but you know, there's a lot of draw holes out here, like 10, nine, you know, uh, 13. So there's a lot of holes where, you know, if you turn the ball over, it's going to be to your benefit. Um, and, and he's a great ball striker. So yeah, he's got great vibes. He, you know, he's played here really well here the last two years. I don't want to put too much pressure on him, but he loves the golf course and the golf course loves him. So, uh, hopefully it's another great week for him and, and the other Canadians here who are in the field. Absolutely. It must be so cool to get out and be part of a team Canada as participants at Augusta, you know, with the legend and Mike Weir who has a green jacket and both Corey and Mac who, um, you know, have really emerged as young stars on the tour. Yeah. You know what? It's, uh, I've been away a bunch the last five, six, seven weeks. And, uh, you know, I was thinking to myself, geez, you know, I, I don't want to be there for, for seven days. Uh, but then I get here and start spending time with Corey and his, his wife and, and his new baby and, and also just being, you know, coming through the gate and I realize how grateful I am to be here. And I'd like to be here for, instead of for a week or maybe two or three weeks, because it's just, it's a real magical place. There's no, there's no place better. Uh, they do it so right here from, you know, no, no charge parking for the patrons to, 
you know, low prices on food and beverages and, and uh, just the, the, you know, the, the, they treat everybody with so much respect. Uh, and then you've got the history of the game. Uh, and there's probably no greater history than, than the Masters tournament. So I'm, I'm pretty, pretty fortunate and blessed to be here and, and uh, you know, really love, love what, what's going on. We had last night, there was a Canada house uh, or Canada kind of celebration in the evening at one of the houses where, so basically if you're Canadian down here, you get invited to a, a dinner and uh, yeah, it was uh, really cool as well. Well, hopefully uh, Corey will be busy for that one next year and have to be putting on a green jacket and be going to uh, serve up his. Uh, I don't know. I don't know what he would serve. I guess. I guess it's bad karma to think about what you'd serve for the champions dinner before you actually win the damn thing. But uh, tell you what, it is an exciting time. And I just have to ask you, as someone that has been such a part of both Corey and Max development and so many other young Canadian golfers. We've seen Taylor Pendrith do great on tour so far this year. Um, more and more Canadians yeah. seemingly making their mark. It must be incredibly rewarding for you, even for the players that maybe you haven't worked as much on with as a player like Corey, to see them, you know, achieving their goals, progressing in professional golf, and and really making Canadians on leaderboards not a shocking thing like it maybe was a while ago. Yeah, I'm, I'm really proud. I haven't really taken much time to reflect, uh, to be honest, us uh, on any of that. You know, I, <laughs> I have a bit of a job to do with our, you know, coaching our amateur team and our young pro, pro squad. And then I have been fortunate enough to coach Mac for 10 or 11 years and Taylor for 10 or 11 years and, and Corey and, and some of the other guys. There's a real Team Canada feel now. Like, if I can't win, I want you to win. And in practice rounds and preparation, you know, there's lots of good gambling matches and, you know, they're pushing each other to get better and, uh, it, like it, there's strength in numbers, uh, as I've been known to say. And now that we have, you know, at any given time, we have six, seven, eight, nine players on the PGA Tour uh, playing each week. It's a real family feel and a real Team Canada where there's pride and, you know, lots of hockey talk on the range and on, in practice rounds. And uh, so that, yeah, that makes me really proud to both be a Canadian and, and to play a small role in it. And uh, I, I hope we can continue it and, and really even, even add more. What uh, what are the players expecting tomorrow when they tee off? Um, you know, weather wise and course conditions, and uh, you know, does that do anything to uh, your preparation the night before? Kind of knowing what you're going to be dealing with. Yeah, we'll go through the, both the weather, the wind, and hole by hole, and the whole locations. Uh, you know, either tonight or tomorrow morning. Corey doesn't play until till noon. It's just afternoon, so we'll have some time in the morning. He's an early riser to just kind of talk about that, but we'll also keep it lighthouse and not try to grind and be full fully on for for 14 hours but we'll, we'll quickly go through that and and chill in the morning and then um, you know have a good playing focus and, and get out here and uh really enjoy the day who is he playing with tomorrow uh he is playing with uh westwood who's the other one? Oh, uh, is it newman joaquin newman it might be westwood i, I know it's westwood i can't remember who, who the other guy is but uh i should know this hey house what kind of interview am i dog no no i think you are <laughs> right on that now that i think about it it was westwood that i couldn't remember and uh, i mean listen i mean if you're in the masters you know you're going to be paired with uh you know some incredible incredible players but um i imagine this that comfort level having been there twice and having performed well is something that uh you know, Corey uh, can really lean on when he goes into uh, one of, if not the biggest tournament of the year for him. Yeah, he's got it. He does have a comfort level here. He loves the tournament and the golf course. 
uh, he, he believes in himself and his team. He's not a he's not a you know uh, arrogant guy, but he's got a, he's got a quiet confidence about him, and, and he should. He's pl- been playing really nicely the last, like I said, probably five or six weeks, and we've worked we've worked hard too. It didn't start off as a great year. He took some time off to be with his wife and new baby, and when he pl- started playing, it wasn't as good as we're expecting, and so the last six or seven weeks we've worked extremely hard and he's kind of getting rewarded for it. So he's, he's pumped up for a great week. And, and for me, I mean, like I said, I just I'm really fortunate to be here and and to be here with, with them. No. Hey, just before we go, you mentioned Austin and uh, I mean, we were all glued. I love the match play event. It's one of my favorites of the year. Uh, yeah. Both it's fun to, you know, bet on, you know, with guys going head to head, but I mean, it's just different than you know, yeah. a bit of the Ryder cup feel with the very different nature of match play as opposed to stroke play. How challenging is it for players? I mean, especially for guys like Corey that do well at that event that are playing, you know, five days of match play to, in a matter of 10 days, get ready to go and play Augusta stroke play at such a different course in a different environment. Yeah, I think you'll notice, Huss, a lot of guys who play well in the match play, they'll take the next week off just because they want to rest. But Corey's a past champion at uh, at the in San Antonio, so at the Laro Texas Open. So, uh, he couldn't take the next week off, nor he would we would he want to. But when you play basically four rounds in two days, you know, 36 a day on Saturday and Sunday, plus the pressure of of trying to perform well, then you had three rounds before that and a couple of practice rounds. So you know, you never think that golf's all that demanding, but it really is physically and and mentally. Uh, so yeah, it's uh, it's a, it's an unreal tournament. He had a great result. And uh, maybe wasn't quite as sharp as we liked to be on the third round in San Antonio, but played well there too. And we're really trying to manage his rest and, you know, his recovery and get a couple workouts in and be fresh uh, for this week. Cause this is, you know, been on the, obviously been on the schedule since he knew we'd be in it again this year and, and wants to have another great week. Derek Ingram, kind enough to join us from the parking lot as the masters to get a quick call in before Corey Connors and uh, the rest of the Canadian contingent in the masters field play for a green green jacket beginning tomorrow you mentioned the par three was today did Corey have the bambino dressed up in one of those cute little caddy outfits or uh, how did he uh, how did he uh, pull that off yeah i know they they do she's only almost five months and actually they're out there right now playing uh playing and it's uh like she's so cute and his his wife's in, in one of the caddy outfits as well and you know i know grandmas and grandpas are all here and everybody's uh everyone's just absolutely fired up so uh, it's the, the par three is also really cool. They set up the whole location. So there's a possibility of, you know, bringing the, the ball back or sucking the ball back and, and getting a hole in one. And so, and it's, I know you love the game. If you ever get a chance to play out there, you, you may not even play the, the real course. You just go around and around and around and around out that par three course. It's so much fun to play. So uh, yeah, no, he'll be done. He'll be done in about 45 minutes and then it's uh, dinner rest and get ready for tomorrow. Well, if you guys need a club cleaner next year, you know, uh, I'll be there for you. Derek, thanks so much for doing this. Um, Listen, all the best to Corey and the Canadians and to you, of course. Have a great weekend and uh, here's to uh, a great performance and uh, a Canadian flag on the leaderboard on Sunday afternoon. Thanks for doing this. All the best and we'll uh, catch up with you soon. Yeah, my pleasure, Huss. Congrats on the show and, and thanks for having me on. I appreciate it. Thanks so much. There's Derek Ingram. He is the coach of Corey Connors, Canada's national team as well, the Canadian amateurs.
And you can follow him for some great golf tips as well on Twitter at D Ingram Golf. Really appreciate him joining us today on the program. All right, we are still not done yet. We've got a few more things to do. First things first, I want to give a big thanks to Princess Auto for their support of ours. We're going to be doing a lot of Bomber and Gold Eyes content with Princess Auto coming up this year, but there still is a little bit of curling left. And of course, the Gushu squad looking for a world championship. They continue to roll in Vegas. We'll follow them into the weekend, hopefully bring in a gold medal for Canada after Kerry Anderson and the Canadian women out of Gimli and Winnipeg Beach were able to win a bronze medal out in Prince George. Princess Auto, of course, also sponsoring the upcoming Players' Championship to finish the season and the place where you'll find the best deals on the most unique assortment of tools and equipment around. Everything you need to complete the projects on your list or start something new is at Princess Auto. Two local locations, and you can shop online 24-7-365 at princessauto.com. Game day today, 6.30 start, which means... You might want to get to the Boston Pizza City place a little earlier than normal. Or if you're popping by your local BP to watch the game on the big screen with big sound with some friends, make sure you're there in time for puck drop at 630. And if you're staying home, check out their great game day deals online at bostonpizza.com and order home delivery hot and fresh to your door from our friends at Boston Pizza. And, uh, you know, I should bring bring Remo in for this one because, uh, of course, we're both huge friends of the Nick and Nicky DQ group. They've been great supporters of ours. We've talked about the Stack Burgers, and, of course, Blizzards are back. But, uh, Remo, I understand that the Blizzard is the official treat for the MLB season, and a couple of the biggest stars in Major League Baseball are going to be enjoying Blizzards this year in a big campaign. Apparently, here's a nice uh, picture. Eric Steven tweeting out that Cody Bellinger and Fernando Tatis Jr. are going to be advertising later this season promoting the Blizzard. And yes, now the official treat of MLB. Here is the photo right here of them enjoying a delicious Blizzard. What's happened to this Dodgers-Padres rivalry now? Yes. <laughs> Patis and Bellinger just sitting there enjoying blizzards with smiles on their faces. Of course, hey, the blizzard will put a smile on anyone's face. Pick it up at your local Nick and Nicky DQ, DQ Neverville, Northgate, Polo Park, and St. Anne's, and uh, all Winnipeg locations available for delivery through the three delivery services. Um, I do want to get to the lines today, but um, we do have a big hockey tournament coming up this weekend, and it is, of course, the NCAA Frozen Four. And Mike Snee of College Hockey uh, has been a guest of ours a number of times when he's been in town, but uh, we caught up with him just a little earlier to sort of preview the tournament and all the uh, NHL talent we'll see in future years that will be playing in the NCAA Frozen Four. Mike, what's going on? It's uh, great to talk to you. Long time no talk. How's things? It's, it's been a while. You know, usually we make our annual trip up to Manitoba in the summertime, and we're going to do that again this year. But uh, nice to at least see you virtually. Yeah, no doubt about it. Hey, let me ask you this just before we get into the Frozen Four. I know we're hopefully, fingers crossed, kind of getting out of the pandemic era and things are slowly getting back to normal. But uh, we know how so many different things have been, you know, affected over the last few years. From your spot of college hockey inc and for ncaa players especially let's focus on maybe canadian kids sure. um that have that opportunity how has everything to do with the with the pandemic affected uh, the pipeline of young canadian players deciding to go to uh to the ncaa 
Oh, I'd, I'd say, if anything, it seems to have uh, <laughs> made it even more appealing. And I don't know if there's a reason for it or if maybe that has, is unrelated to the pandemic, but um, you still look at the overall total number of Canadian players, Manitoba players in particular. It's still sky high this year, in fact. Mm-hmm. That was right around 460, 470 total Canadians, which accounts for more than 27% of all players. And I think that should be made note. That's in a context where every year there's more and more Americans you know, uh, coming because there, there's more and more five-year-olds 20 years ago starting hockey. There's more and more Americans every year that can compete for these NCAA spots. And just like NCAA hockey, its appeal continues to grow in Canada. Its appeal continues to grow in Europe. Um, so there's more Europeans playing NCAA hockey than there has been ever before. So that, I guess, if you want to use the phrase market share, Canada's market share of NCAA hockey roster spots is, is, is feels like it's as high as it's ever been. And then the caliber of those players feels like – um, and I know that's hard to measure, but based on players being picked in the NHL draft, like Nolan Power or Kent Johnson or someone like that, uh, it feels like that's going up. So um, we look at our game as just a great, great spot for young aspiring players at this point in their life, at this point in their hockey career. And, um, and you know, we don't really care whether they're from Finland, Manitoba or Massachusetts. We just want really good hockey players that, um, that uh, understand the benefits of NCAA hockey. Now, I mean, you know, listen, and this is, we're as guilty of this as anyone, but when we talk about these young players, it is almost always in the context of, is this guy going to be the next star in the Winnipeg Jets? Is this kid going to be an NHL player? And, you know, and I get it from parents and, you know, from the players themselves. I mean, most of them have professional aspirations and they're looking to give them the best possibility of, uh, of getting to the bigs. Not everyone does that. I think we all, we all know. And I mean, that's part of the, the, the great route of NCAA hockey. Um, and the same thing with playing here in Canada at the university level is that you're able to get an, uh, an education. And, you know, we had Johnny Kovacevic on the program who's playing with the Moose right now. One of the, just the most impressive young men we've had on the show. And, you know, he talked about, you know, being overlooked and then, you know, getting a chance to go to the NCAA, you know, becoming a civil engineer. And now when it really wasn't seemingly his path to be a pro, he's playing very well in the AHL and he's got NHL aspirations and has already made his NHL debut this year. I'm sure you see, I mean, as much as we focus on the kids that are going in the top 10 of the draft, there's probably way more stories like Johnny Kovacevic that both get great hockey experience, potentially move on to play professionally, but also get an amazing education that'll help them for the rest of their lives. Yeah, absolutely. And, and you might have seen it yesterday on our on our social media, College Hockey Inc. social media. We tweeted out a graphic that we created about the Boston College Eagles team that won the national championship 10 years ago. So now these young men are in their late 20s, early 30s. And we've got the, the, the photo of them on the ice with their trophy, huge smiles, celebrating this national championship. And on there is Johnny Gaudreau, uh, Brian Dumoulin, uh, Chris Kreider, um, um, Kevin Hayes, a couple of other NHL. Oh, there you got it. Okay. But of all of that, most of those guys played pro hockey. A lot of them played in the NHL. And some of them, I mean, Gaudreau and Kreider are, you know, two of the very best players in the NHL today. Yet the stat that I am most excited about that when you look at that is every single one of them, every single one has their degree. Johnny Gaudreau has his degree. Every single one of them has their degree. And we pointed out from there, yeah, those that are having success on the ice, but um, the, the stories of those that are having success off of the ice. And I think that is the real attribute to what NCAA hockey offers. And I know, Hustler, you've been to our events in Winnipeg before. Um, they're very hockey-focused. Our audience is 14, 15 years old, 
Uh, we're introducing our organization. We're sharing with them what they need to know about being eligible and, and just how good the hockey is. So shame on us. Our focus is perhaps too much on hockey. But we know it doesn't matter where you go, whether you're playing college hockey, you're playing in the Western League, you're playing in Europe somewhere. Um, just because there's limited spots in the NHL and some of those guys are going to be Kyle Connor or Blake Wheeler and they're going to take those spots for 15 years – there just aren't enough chairs for everybody that wants to play in the NHL when the music stops. So um, being able to pursue your, your hockey aspirations, your hockey dreams, and at the same time be working to get towards your degree, earning your degree or getting very close to it so that you're setting yourself up for um, opportunities that come with having a university degree. Um, while you're still not selling your hockey development shorts. So that's certainly our message. Um, but when we're talking to the younger younger kids, I have to admit their focus still is on, uh, I just want to hear about hockey. Hey, uh, I, I can't blame. When I was 15, you know, 14 or 15, not that I had any professional hockey aspirations, I still wasn't thinking about schoolwork very much. So uh, that is, right. that's sort of the way. But it's very important going forward. And we've seen, heard and you know seen so many great stories of young men that have gone and maybe not turned pro, but you know made the most of their hockey skills to get a great education. Um, and certainly, I mean, those of us here in Winnipeg, I know, I mean, how many players that have come through U.S. college hockey that have come here. You mentioned Kyle Connor, who's turned into a real superstar in the league. And of course, Captain Blake Wheeler, another former Minnesota Gopher. The Gophers are in the Frozen Four. We'll get to the Minnesota-Minnesota State matchup second, but I think, you know, the marquee team in this, of course, is the Michigan Wolverines. Um, and uh, Kyle Connor, a former Michigan Wolverine, this program, Mike, has turned into, um, I, I mean, it, it, it's incredible, frankly. I mean, just when you look at the draft over the last few years, the number of players that have picked so high. And, I mean, when you look, when we watch this team this weekend, I mean, we're going to be seeing Owen Power, the number one overall pick, Matty Beneers, number two, Luke Hughes is there. I mean, this is a stack, stack team um, as far as NHL prospects go. Are they also the favorite for this event? And uh, fill us in on this matchup in their uh, semifinal against Denver. Well, that, that's a great question. And I don't want to give you a cliche answer. But of the four teams in the tournament, three are number one seeds. So there's four four brackets that yeah. you know collide in Boston. Okay, um, three of the four teams were the number one seed in their bracket, and then the other team, Minnesota, was the number two seed in their bracket. So this is one of those instances where you know four of the top five teams in all of college hockey are the ones that have made it through. And I have to say that, you know, when you ask who's the favorite, as much as you just bring up what Michigan's roster looks like, if you've had a chance to see Denver play, uh, boy, I, I wouldn't bet against them. If you if you look at Minnesota's roster, um, it's comprised with almost as many, you know, NHL draft picks as Michigan and, and a lot of first-round draft picks, um, including Winnipeg's first-round draft pick from last year, who unfortunately um, is injured and not playing this weekend. But, um, but you look at that, and then those three teams aside – Minnesota State uh, has the best record in all of college hockey since December and, and has a goalie that's out of this world and, um, and, and is going into this, I'm sure, thinking that they're the favorite in this. So it really will be exciting hockey because all four of these teams have the right to believe that they're the team that's going to win it, even with that mm -hmm. roster that Michigan has and based solely on NHL draft picks and on any high NHL draft picks, there's never been um, an NCAA hockey roster like Michigan's.
Well, and, and so I think, you know, maybe casual fans or people that just know that, like me, will just assume that Michigan's the favorite. But Denver has a hell of a team. And, you know, from everything that I've read and uh, um, one of the guys over at uh, Chris Peters, who uh, we know quite well, did a great yeah. kind of breakdown on this over at Daily oh, Faceoff, talking about the, um, you know, the players on the Michigan team, but described Denver as almost like a an NHL playoff team like not one inch of ice is uncontested for and they've done it and one of the guys on that team that'll be very the name will be very familiar to Winnipeg ice fans is Carter Savoy who of course is the brother of Matt Savoy ice star who's expected to be a surefire top 10 pick potentially even top five pick in this uh, year's NHL draft yeah Carter is a sophomore there he's similarly still high skilled player from Alberta um, and then a, a childhood friend of his, um, um, Mike Benning, whose who's father is Brian Benning, former NHLer, and brother is Matt Benning, who now plays for uh, for Nashville, a longtime NHLer that played at Northeastern University. So, um, so Denver has a, a strong Canadian flavor, a lot of high end players um, on Denver's roster as well. And like you said, they don't give up an inch of ice. They're so deep. Uh, very solid. They are absolutely going to give. Uh, I mean, it's good. I would say it's a toss-up right now between Denver and Michigan. The way they play, high skill, high-end players, deep rosters, um, very strong goaltending. Um, so, so I mean, I, I don't mean to be beating the same drum here, but it's going to be a great game and and a lot of I think um, what what you might call um, uh, good storylines for for people in in Manitoba to to pay attention to. And you, you, one thing you brought up, Kyle Connor being from Michigan, Blake Wheeler being from Minnesota. I think um, you know Stastny's from Denver. I think there's multiple players on the Jets from Minnesota, multiple players from Michigan. Um, so I would imagine there's there's a lot of uh, friendly wagering going on right now in the Jets dressing room because I think Minnesota State's the only team not represented in that dressing room. Uh, right now, so uh, pretty, um, pretty exciting storyline there, just from a, from a Manitoba perspective. Yeah, well, the Minnesota Minnesota State game is interesting. First of all, I still have a hard time wrapping my head around Minnesota State. Uh, I always think it sounds like you know one no. of those made up schools in like movies, but that in fact is Mankato for people that are a little older in the tooth and remember that club right. and what a season they've had. And I will say this: I think most of the Jet fans watching will be pulling for Chaz Lucius's Minnesota Gophers because Nathan Smith, who we talked about all year long apparently told Kevin he was going to become a free agent then you know to the general manager's credit ended up making a deal that helped the team going forward based on what was happening but um you know there's certainly some other undrafted free agents which we'll talk touch on in a minute but um uh all minnesota battle i mean i'm sure this is huge in the state of hockey albeit the game being taken place out on the east coast yeah, that is, uh, well, um, I had to buy an airline ticket. Unfortunately, I bought mine ahead of time, but I know I'm from Minnesota. I'm down in Minneapolis right now. And I know a lot of people headed out to that game and uh, they had to take a, a loan to uh, buy that airline ticket because um, there's a lot of people from Minnesota trying to get to Boston right now. And, uh, and I also think a lot of the flights from Denver to Boston fly through Minneapolis. So it's quite a challenge right now trying to get to Boston. But um, it's going to be pretty exciting. Both games will obviously be uh, very entertaining. But then you have to have that one that is that in-state matchup. And a lot of the players on both Minnesota and Minnesota State are from Minnesota and played each other in youth hockey growing up and in the high school hockey year in Minnesota, which is a, a really big thing to um, play high school hockey. So a lot of these players were either teammates or rivals when they were in high school. And, and now it's going to continue on to, uh, it has continued on here as they played each other in college and now to play a game with the stakes so high in Boston 
um, and it's pretty cool. Well, uh, you know, the tournament is always fun. If you want, you can uh, watch it, stream it on tsn.ca over the course of the weekend. The two semifinals are Thursday, and the championship game is on Saturday. And just on the way out, I mean, we kind of mentioned the Nathan Smith situation here. Um, Looking ahead, though, there are plenty of undrafted free agent players that I imagine the second their season is over, there'll probably be a group of NHL scouts waiting outside the dressing room to talk to them and mom and dad. I want to just quickly mention a couple of uh, those guys that are drawing a lot of NHL interest. Yeah, and that's that's a great point. We just had our the 333rd uh, NCAA alum play in the NHL this year um, with the most recent debut, and that's the most ever. That's the most ever NCAA alum to play in the NHL, and you know we still have another three plus weeks of the season to go, and all of these guys that are uh, will be making their debut. But um, yeah, there are a lot of undrafted players, so therefore they're free agents once uh, once they decide to turn pro. However, there are 41 total NHL draft picks playing this weekend amongst the four teams, um, and nine of those players, as we've uh, talked about a little bit, are first-round picks. The one um, undrafted player that is getting the most attention, and he is a special player, that's the captain of Minnesota, Ben Myers, uh, you might recall having seen him play in the Olympics. He was also a big part of the U.S. Olympic team. Um, but he is a dynamic player, very skilled, but also has an edge to him as well. Uh, he's in the, he's in his third year there. He's a junior at Minnesota, and uh, he'll be getting attention from, I'm, i got to imagine, every single NHL team, and he'll have his choice of who he wants to sign for. So in terms of the undrafted players, pay attention to, uh, to Ben Myers uh, with the University of Minnesota. Great stuff, Mike. Uh, just before we go, and thanks again. It was great to talk again, and we'll look forward to what's always an awesome tournament on the weekend. Fill people in on college hockey and where they can find more about uh, what you and uh, your team are up to. Our website is collegehockeyinc.com. It's I-N-C, so College Hockey Inc. We are a small, little, nimble, three-person nonprofit. Uh, we charge nothing. We simply want to be a resource for young, aspiring players and their parents that are interested in NCAA hockey. We acknowledge there are considerations that need to be made academically. You know, you have to, you have to be eligible academically, but also from an eligibility standpoint, there are certain things that might make you ineligible from being an amateur athlete to play college hockey, especially in Western Canada. Um, at the same time, we acknowledge, you know, just the importance of the Western Hockey League teams like the ice and the Wheat Kings and, and how important that is to hockey. So we're not here by any means to ever say that uh, this is better or right or what, what's right, what's wrong. Um, but for those that are interested, we just want to be a resource to answer questions and make sure that you have a place to turn and you can do it without opening your wallet. So we're a free service. And if you don't mind, um, we have a great relationship with so many hockey people in Manitoba. They always welcome us in when we go up there. Uh, we're headed back there this summer. We're up there multiple times during the year. Um, so um, people like Kevin Sarrett with Manitoba Junior Hockey League, uh, everybody at the Jets is great to us uh, from Mark Chipman and Kevin Chetelday off on down. And Hustler, you've always had us on when, when we've come to town. So I just want a big thank you to everybody in Winnipeg and throughout Manitoba. Uh, it's a highlight of our year when we, when we go up to your province. Great stuff, Mike. Should be a great tournament. Travel safe and enjoy it. We'll see you in the summer when you get up here to the peg. Sounds good. Have a great day. All right. Good stuff with Mike Snee. I'm sure we'll talk to them when they get out to the peg sometime in the summer. But in the meantime, I know some people in the chat were asking if they want to watch the games. I believe I don't think they're on the tube masters and everything like that with TSN, but they are streaming at TSN.ca. All right. We will get to the cool bet lines in just a second. Hey, uh, spring, summer, just about here. 
one of the things I'm most excited about is getting back out to Aikens Lake Wilderness Lodge. We'll be doing another trip later on this summer. Um, if you're looking for a world-class fly-in fishing experience put together by some of the greatest people you'll ever meet, the Turin family, Aikens Lake is the spot for you. You can uh, literally be on the water in a couple hours from the city of Winnipeg. Um, find out more online about the Aikens Lake experience at AikensLake.com or you can hit up Pit Turin with any questions on Pitter at Aikens Lake on Twitter. Maybe you can get out there. I know a number of our folks have been have been there before and um, get a couple masters maybe. And uh, bottom line, enjoy just um, a world-class five-star experience not too far away from the city of Winnipeg with our friends over at Aikens Lake. I'll tell you what's going to go good in the boat this year, in addition to some Little Brown Jug 1919s, is the uh, canned ready-to-drink Canadian Club CC and ginger ale mixed cocktails, which are now in stores across Winnipeg and Manitoba. Next time you're at your local Manitoba liquor marts, check them out, grab a six pack, or if you just want to try it, you'll get a free can with the purchase of Canadian club to try it as well. All month long, the launch of the ready to drink CC and ginger ale and a free can with every Canadian club purchase at your local Manitoba liquor marts. All right, let's get to the cool bet lines before we finish up the show today. Very, very busy sports week. Um, we've got five games in the National Hockey League tonight. We will begin with the Winnipeg Jets, and we were mentioning Bad Mood Blake going, how the heck are the Jets a big favorite against anyone? Well, they're hosting the Detroit Red Wings tonight, who uh, have not been winning very many games lately, but they did win last night against the Boston Bruins. Bad news for the Wings. They had to travel after the game, get here to Winnipeg, and get right back at it tonight against the Jets team that you would hope jumps on their opponent considering their current predicament and situation. Jets a minus 278 favorite and minus one and a half on the puck line. I've stayed away from the Jets puck lines most of the year. Not tonight, though. Connor Hellebuck bobblehead night. I think Hellebuck has a huge game, and... Uh, Maybe we'll get a little bit more scratch in the account to throw on the Masters coming up beginning tomorrow. Tampa and Washington. Tampa minus 135 favorite on the road. The Blues a big home favorite to the Kraken at minus 238. Flames minus 263 in Anaheim taking on the Ducks. And the late game is the Vegas Golden Knights who seemingly steadied the ship a little bit trying to get some more players back. 182, minus 182 for the home favorites against the Vancouver Canucks, who are plus 152. And a quick look at the Masters lines. Um, you've got all the head-to-head -head matchups up on the board right now. And uh, there's been a little bit of player movement. Um, John Rahm, still the favorite at 12-1. to 1. Justin Thomas, 14-1. to 1. But was interesting, yesterday, Cam Smith and Scotty Scheffler were 17. And Dustin Johnson was 8 and 19. All three of those players now at 18 to 1. Rory McElroy has gone down from 22 to 20 to 1. And then they a really interesting group. 22 to 1, Cantley, Hovland, Brooks, Kepka, and 25 to 1, Jordan Speed, Xander Shoffley, and Colin Morikawa. I know Schickser's in on Will Zalatoris. I got a piece of Zalatoris. He was at 40 to 1. He's now 35. And Tiger Woods, 40 to 1 to win. And let's just get a quick update on Tiger's number to make the cut, because that, to me, has been a really interesting number. And yeah, Tiger's back to even money. 
I thought that would be able to pick him right now. So if you're a Tiger guy and you think he'll be playing on Saturday and wearing red on Sunday, you can get that at even money for Tiger Woods to make the cut right now at CoolBet. And of course, if you've never played a CoolBet before, use the promo code WST. When you're making your first deposit, you'll get a 100% bonus up to $200 with our friends over at CoolBet. And uh, again, uh, new lock shop coming up on Friday. If you do want to check yesterday's Masters content, it's there at the lock shop feed. Subscribe wherever you get your podcast. Check us out on Twitter. And a new show today kicked it around with Pat Gregoire and Jake Bowen Moss for our thoughts on the Masters. One other um, interesting little tidbit of an, a boosted parlay that we put together um, we went and all were talking about guys we thought were going to make the cut. Obviously, we wanted to put Tiger in there. We added Canadian Mac Hughes, Kevin Kisner, and Max Homa to make it, and Bryson DeChambeau to miss that cut, and we got it boosted up to 11-1. to 1. And if you think that's not going to happen, it's a minus 2,000. Way too big of a number to lay a number on, I personally think. But it's up there for you. I'm going to be jumping on it. Plus 1,100 on that. Get it under the boosted odds parlays. Well, uh, great show. Let's get Remus back in here just before we finish up. Uh, Remo, thoughts on this game tonight? 6.30 start. Hellebuck bobblehead game. What are you looking for? What will we see tonight? All right. Well, I looked at my, I just put together my DraftKings lineup and I'm looking at, you know, Dom's odds. He's got the Jets at 71% chance to win. Money Puck has the Jets 67% chance. They're heavy favorites on Cool Bet. They're arrested. Detroit played last night. Detroit's given up, you know, 11, what, to the Penguins the other day. This is a spot where the Jets need to uh, lay the smack down for some goals. However, however, we have said that before. This is a really great spot for the Jets. They're looking strong, and they come out and don't get a shot for the first period. So, I'm still, I still, I'm gonna, I'm still on them. I've done fantasy lineups. Their team, the Jet. Look at team totals for tonight. The Jets have the highest. Team total implied for implied goals, 4.2. So, yes, I am. I've been burned before many times. Everyone, you know, math would say the Jets should be, you know, but we've seen crazy stuff. I'm still, I'm yeah. still on, on the Jets. Hellbuck bobbled the head night. Detroit's in a tough spot. This sets up very well. I, I know this. I know the season has gone not how we thought it would be, and we've been in spots at almost like any this. point. <laughs> as we've been in spots like this, and we know they frequently play down to the opponent. I don't care. I'm still going. I'm still riding. I've taken Kyle Connor on uh, on my fantasy line. Listen, for those of us that are still sweating this Ehlers prop for the season, and that's sort of what we're down to. I mean, can the Jets get? to 93 points and Nikolai Ehlers get to 29 goals, which means he needs seven. A multi-goal game tonight for Nikolai Ehlers would be huge for all of us that are still sweating that out. I'm seeing Nikolai Ehlers plus 560 for over one. And hey, maybe this could be a hat trick night. Um, Kyle Connor plus 1250, Ehlers plus 2150, Shifley 28. 
Dubois 36 to 1. I don't know. Check those out if you want. One other thing to make a point if you are going to the game or watching tonight, you're going to see two of the best rookies in the National Hockey League Lucas Raymond of the Detroit Red Wings and the guy that I think is going to win the Calder Trophy. Their phenomenal young defenseman, Moritz Sider. Our first chance to see those two young men playing for the Red Wings here in Winnipeg. Don't forget the puck drops at 6 30 p.m. We'll be back tomorrow on the program to talk all about it. Looking forward to welcoming in Gary and Thorne to get ready for baseball season tomorrow. Rowicki's going to join us. We'll talk Jets and, of course, Masters and have some updates from the afternoon at Augusta National. Folks, enjoy the game tonight. Thanks for being with us. Make sure to hit that red subscribe button if you haven't already with us on YouTube. Give us the thumbs up. Tell a friend about the podcast. and. Thanks for joining us. We'll see you tomorrow right here on Winnipeg Sports Talk, live on YouTube at 1 p.m. Oh, my God. Shut it down. Let's go home. Thanks for tuning in to Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily. Make sure to subscribe on YouTube and your favorite podcast feed at winnipegsportstalk.com. 